Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Sunday Night Week 8 Review Edition. I'm your host, Dean Hardison, joining me on this lovely Sunday evening, the one, the only MB Fantasy Life Prodigy himself, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's going on, Dwayne? What's up, man? Prodigy. Wow. Okay. I like mix, it. I like it. it up. I got, I'm going to have to deliver tonight. I got to really deliver. When you say prodigy, like, you know, hey, somebody may not have watched this before. Like, and they're going to be like, who's freaking prodigy? Whatever. Okay. All right. I told Dwayne. Bar high. Uh, I told Dwayne before Sunday Night Football, if the Bills couldn't keep it within 14 at halftime, we were going to start recording. Lo and behold, 24 to seven lead. So, still got one eye on that. You know, we'll have plenty of you know again utilization stuff by the time we reach that game. Just know that we are recording this at halftime of that. So, any spoilers, we do invite the lovely comment section as always to let us know as we are riding through. But Dwayne, let's get things started with the London game, 9:30 a.m. in the morning. Certainly messing up my sleep time, but the rest of the world likes to get up at reasonable time so it's all good broncos 21 jaguars 17 broncos covering as a one point dog in the ever rowdy jacksonville filled london arena under cash at 40 and a half so this is Dwayne, the second time all season the broncos have scored more than 16 points so <laughs> two claps for that uh russell wilson 8.4 yards per attempt third time the season has been above 7.1 they were mediocre, but like mediocre was still a step above what we have seen from this offense throughout most of the season. So from that perspective, okay, fine. But on the other side of things, I saw a tweet, I believe, from NFL Fantasy before this talking about how Cortland Sutton has scored 11 fantasy points in his last three games. It has gotten <laughs> so tough in this receiving room to expect anything, Dwayne. Honestly, unironically, Greg Dolchich arguably has the highest floor in this group at this point. If Jerry Judy is going to be out of the picture, obviously he was a big member of these trade talks. I don't know what getting rid of Jerry Judy does for this team. Cause honestly, when you look at excluding week two, week two was the game where Judy only played 10 snaps. and Then he got hurt every other game. Judy and Sutton each have exactly 50 targets. Judy has 29 catches, 439 yards and three touchdowns. Sutton 28 catches, 345 yards and just one touchdown. Uh, I don't care what we thought about before the season. Jerry Judy certainly looks way better than Cortland Sutton, and he has looked that way for several weeks. He's been a superior fantasy option and an offense that we can no longer really expect to 
produce more than one or two pass game options. So, Dwayne, rest of season thoughts on Judy and Sutton if things stand because, hey, maybe Judy's traded, maybe he's not. Right now we are working with what we know. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought this one up. It was the first thing I was going to go to on the Broncos. I didn't know where you would go. Um, but yeah, Jerry Judy, yeah, Jerry Judy looks like the better receiver than Cortland Sutton. Look, it doesn't mean that Cortland Sutton won't you know, be any good. Like they're both going to, they're, they're both fine, right? The offense is weighing them down, but Judy just gets the better looks, you know, he's playing inside like today, 76% of his routes came from the slot. Um, you know, he does, he gets a lot more looks against linebackers, safeties, a lot of zone stuff. Whereas Cortland Sutton's having to play outside against the better corners, also playing against, you know, safety over the top a lot. So I think there's a lot of things going into it, but Judy is also, you know, he's been earning the targets today. He came through a little bit more in the box score. Like we've had a few weeks where it's been like, man, Judy's earning targets targets. And then he's like dropping them. And we know drops aren't really a sticky stat. Um, but with Judy, it's kind of one of those things that always stands out to you because we've seen him drop some passes, you know, in the past. So you always have to kind of wonder. But yes, I agree. Jerry Judy looks like the better option. And I think, you know, even if the players are equal, like if you get to play in the better situation, right, that helps you. Um, and then, yeah, with Dulcich, like I think at this point, you just got to call him that low end tight end one. The offense is the only thing keeping him from being someone that we would probably say, OK, should we be considering him the in the mid range, you know, tight end one? you know, conversation because it's three weeks in a row where his route participation has been great. It was actually really good this week. 91% route participation, 21% target share. That was second to only Jerry Judy on the team who had 29%. So yeah, really like Greg Dulcich. If you guys got him on your team, like he's a guy that easily, you know, you can play ahead of, you know, a lot of the other names that we've kind of been, you know, messing around with, you know, they're sitting there at the high end tight end two range, like your, uh, you know, your Robert Tunyon's players like that. For me, like Dulcich has passed all those, right? He's not quite into that next tier, you know, that sits above, you know, of those elite guys or the really good tight ends, but he's at least has a shot, right? We know he's this young player. He's breaking out early, but you need the offense to play better. And look, his 38-yard catch down the half-yard line, which was, in fact, a sheesh, of course. That was a busted coverage, just like his first touchdown was, you know, a couple of weeks ago. With that said, we have seen enough evidence of him. I believe that nine catch, like 50-yard games he had last week. That was an example of him putting some true nice tape out there for us to see, you know, good route running and all that. And to Dwayne's original point, the fact he has the underlying route metrics, that gives me confidence. And being able to look past a blown coverage induced big play and just say, hey, this is a guy getting fed the ball at, in this game, at least the second most on his team. He's shown that big play ability. We will be going to the great door as well as a top 10 tight end as wild as these times are likely moving forward a couple other sheeshes from the broncos so there was a wild throw man all right i watched not 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 gonna hate on tua we're gonna talk about this it's just a matter of arm strength man tua had a double crow hop into like a path <laughs> barely get it 50 yards russ from his goal line man he slung this shit 65 yards in the air he had he had a uh, kj hamler and greg dolchich like coming to the ball at the same basic area and he basically threw it right between them so could have should have would have been a 60 yard completion if he had gotten it to either guy unfortunately just an incompletion and then also at the end of the game again mentioned the disappointing Cortland Sutton line one catch for 13 yards he dropped a crosser Dwayne at like the 30 yard line and it's tough for those to know for sure if you want to score but this was like man coverage had a couple steps it looked like he might have had a chance to get keep on keeping on unfortunately it was just a drop in the backfield it was Melvin Gordon leading the way in terms of snaps Latavius Murray actually showed a little bit more juice though and had 14 carries to only nine 
from Melvin Gordon. These guys aren't catching passes. I still wouldn't be shocked if they try to add someone else to the equation at some point in time. For now, neither guy is taking over, and we just got to continue to put them into that muddled RB3 range. You give it the Jaguars. You got anything special on the backfield, Dwayne? Uh, no, I mean, the, the big thing with the Jaguars is just ETN, you know, which is kind of what we expected, you know, with James yeah. Robinson gone, but we didn't see anyone else work in. So for the second week in a row, we saw him get, you know, right at that 80% snap rate, 82% of the rushing attempts still had, you know, all the two minute offense, all the long down and well, most of the long down distance, uh, Jamichael hasty had 38% of that, but he had all the short down and distance stuff, um, had another long run. I mean, it's Travis ETN season. Um, yeah. so, I mean, if we're, if we're looking at ETN, like for me, and unless you were asking about the Broncos, but if not, no, there was nothing about the yeah, Broncos. Yeah. It's just okay. a muddled mess. So we're moving to <laughs> something that's actually more positive, like to start. Um, but with ETN, like at this point, like you're talking mid-range or mid-range RB1. You know, when you and I talked about him before the season, we our, our thought process was, look, he could be a low-end RB1, mid-range RB1 with James Robinson getting half the carries. Because we thought that what the Jaguars would be in a trailing script. We thought he would be the passing down back. Those things have actually, they weren't true early in the season. They've turned out to be true here later in the season. But we also talked about there was an upside if for some reason James Robinson wasn't ready to go, um, if he was slow to recover from the Achilles injury, end up being none of those things, right? He gets traded, but still the end, the, the result's the same. Like we've got this backfield that's pretty much all goes to Travis Etienne now. So he is a mid range RB1. Um, if he starts scoring more, like he's going to, I mean, he's going to have weeks where he's, he's going to have a shot to be the RB one in any given week. Right. Um, th- we had some really big running back weeks this week with Pollard and Deonta Foreman and Alvin Kamara. I mean, it's, it was like CMC, everyone went off, but, but ETN 25 points is still really good. 24 carries 156 yards. Like, and he had another long carry. I'm like, come on, man. Like get, take, I want one of these long carries to go to the house. Like it just hasn't quite worked out for him, but like that, that would have made it, you know, probably a 32, 33 point day. And he almost had another touchdown there. He got down to the one-yard line. They gave him a goal line chance, and he got stuffed on that again. So just, again, another really good performance, though, from him from an efficiency standpoint. On the season, we got 46 running backs with at least 50 carries. He's fourth in PFF rushing grade, 6.3 yards per carry, second behind only Tony Pollard, top 15 in yards after contact and missed tackles for. So as great as ETN has been, Dwayne, the passing, the other Clemson teammate in this backfield, not so much. Trevor Lawrence, 35 quarterbacks, at least 100 dropbacks a season. He's 31st in PFF passing grade, 20th in QB rating, 23rd in yards per attempt, 25th in turnover worthy play rate. Very tough to find a statistic at this point that paints Trevor Lawrence as anything other than a mediocre to bad QB. Now we can continue blaming every single bad thing that happens to Lawrence on and off the field on Urban Meyer, or we can start looking a little bit more at what we're seeing on the field, Dwayne. And it's not that he can't do anything. You see him out there. The guy can throw a football over the mountains. Like he, he redeemed himself from that Andrew Luck-esque Hail Mary I was hating on him for earlier in the season. And he will still go out there and make a couple good throws, but my God, some of these end zone picks he've, he's had this year, thrown back across his body one, one week after another, just a lot of these broken plays. And, it wasn't that long ago, man. After week three, we were looking at them. They had just blown out the Chargers. You know, people were starting to wonder, could this be this year's Bengals and all that? I'm sure mainstream media has have had their, you know, Doug Peterson overtakes Urban Meyer atop the all-time leaderboard tweets ready to go for about a month now. Just hasn't been the case. With this passing game, Christian Kirk, three catches, 40 yards, nothing. Ingram found the end zone, 55 yards. He's looked fine, but man. It wasn't that long ago, Dwayne, that we were hoping we can get multiple fantasy-relevant pass catchers out of Jacksonville. And at this point, it's pretty much Travis Etienne, and then hopefully someone else sticks. But can we even keep Christian Kirk in the top 24 with much confidence? It's getting really tough at this point. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
I'm still fine with Christian Kirk as a low end, you know, wide receiver too. I mean, you're, you're not going to treat him at one point in the year. We were like, okay, is he a low end wide receiver one, you yeah. know? And so that's definitely not true. Um, I, I think Trevor Lawrence, yes, it's not been good, but I've seen enough good. I've seen enough good games that I'm not going to, we see this happen all the time. Players go through a two or three week lull. Um, you know, unless your name's Baker Mayfield, then it's like a two season lull, but otherwise, like it's usually just two or three weeks and then they'll kind of pop out of it. So with, for, for me with Lawrence, like it's kind of a tough little stretch for him. He's been kind of making things work for himself by scoring rushing touchdowns. Those didn't happen for him this week. So that didn't bail him out. Um, but no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be overly concerned about Christian Kirk. I, I think, you know, you're right to call out the stuff with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, at this point, he definitely doesn't look like the prospect that we thought, but he could still be somewhere in between, right? It doesn't mean that he's necessarily bad just because he's had a few bad games. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, you know, with these pass with these passing, you know, um, weapons. It's going to have some weeks where somebody's going to be squeezed out. I mean, Evan Ingram, we've talked about multiple times on this week. I mean, on this show, this week, ninety percent route participation, twenty one percent target share, but he came through with fifteen point five fantasy points. So like, he's kind of been like a low end tight end one for the last, you know, several weeks. And I will say whenever they play some of these zone heavy teams like the Broncos, it really seems to more of it go to Evan Ingram. They spread it out a lot more. Um, it's kind of interesting that Christian Kirk doesn't see more, right, when they play zone. A lot of times you'll see the slot receiver, the inside players get more looks against that. That's one thing we haven't seen so far work for Christian Kirk because the Broncos are one of the top three zone defenses in the league. You definitely don't want to be on the outside against the Broncos. Like Patrick Sertan's like turning into one of those dudes that you just, you don't want to see him. Like you don't, you do not want him anywhere near you. Um, it's going to be bad for you. And Kirk does usually get the lineup inside in the slot. So I think he's still got positive things going for him. We just don't quite feel as great as we did about him earlier in the season. And even inside against his defense, man, any receiver against the Broncos this year, I mean, they have not allowed 225 passing yards against all season long. The Chargers got to 224. The Colts got all the way up to 200. Everyone else under 200 passing yards in the year 2022, Dwayne. So, yeah, a little bit critical of Lawrence. And he hasn't been overly good this year, but he has flashed to your point, And this was going to be a tough matchup. So, you know, last week, if Christian Kirk catches that touchdown, isn't caught, you know, one inch before the goal line, probably singing a different tune. Always appreciate having your level-headed analysis to get my mind out of the gutter with some of this, Dwayne. <laughs> well, we'll see what it, we'll see how the the analysis is if we go another week of Trevor Lawrence like this. Then maybe I'll just be like, "Yeah, you got to get rid of all of them now." <laughs> Cowboys took down the Bears, forty-nine twenty-nine, covering as nine and a half point favorites. Game total cashed easily over at forty-three. This was the Dak Prescott of old. The Dak Prescott the Cowboys paid all this money to be their franchise quarterback. Easily his best game of the season. You look at his now three starts of the year: his yards per attempt, four point six to eight point three to nine point two. Adjusted completion rate, fifty-six percent to eighty percent to eighty-eight percent. PFF passing grade, thirty-six to sixty-two to eighty. 9.5 so yes we'll get to tony pollard in a second but more so in this cowboys offense i just think seeing Dak going out there hitting michael gallup for four catches and just bringing that different dimension to the offense not just cd lamb and dalton schultz honestly could have been more michael gallup was open in the back of the end zone for what could have been a 70 yard touchdown Dak threw it out and then scored a rushing touchdown on his home the next play cd lamb got another touchdown look borderline unguardable out there and just seven targets they didn't need that much from him even dalton schultz did look healthier after last week my goodness just hobbling around all over the place clearly through clearly still playing through the pain but man Dwayne Cowboys I know they got some help in that ridiculous Michael Parsons uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown but for the Cowboys to go in here and just score 40 points for me that's just refreshing to see again because with this offensive line like we didn't really know if they still necessarily had this in their tool belt or in their toolbox 
they did. And hey, now we know this Cowboys offense, when pressed, can still win a shootout. Yeah, and it was still, I wouldn't necessarily call this one a shootout. Like the Cowboys were pretty much, you know, they were leading the whole time. But yes, yeah. the Bears were able to keep pressure. The Bears were able to get it closer at times. And to your point, like the big play with Micah Parsons, you know, later in the game, that definitely hurt the Bears. Um, but, you know, the Bears have just had some bad, a few bad plays, right, that hurt them. But like looking overall, the Cowboys were still a very balanced offense. They didn't even they didn't even pass the ball fifty percent of plays today. Like they they ran the ball fifty one percent, you know, of the time. So they they got Malik uh, Davis involved. You got Dak involved today. Dak had five carries for thirty four yards and a touchdown. So they kind of found different ways to keep a big load off of Tony Pollard. Pollard really came through with efficiency, you know, when you look at him. But as far as the receivers, you know, yeah, I like the fact that Dak is spreading it out. But Lamb's still getting his is fine. You know, it just ended up being a game where they didn't throw the ball a ton. They were leading, so they continued to lean into a more balanced attack. He had a 29% target share. Dalton Schultz, you mentioned, still hobbled, only out there 64%, you know, of the routes. But 25% target share, 33% targets per route run. And we've seen this with Dalton Schultz over the last couple of games, right? Even though he's been trying to play through injuries, we have seen with Dak back, um, especially over these last two games with Dak, like he's been much more involved. And so as he gets healthy, like Dalton Schultz, you know, I know he's a guy that we talked about over the summer. We just didn't like his price tag, right? We're like, come on, guys, don't spend a fifth round pick on Dalton Schultz. Don't spend a sixth round pick. Take the take the Lamar Jackson, take the awesome dual threat quarterback instead. But it didn't really change where we had Dalton Schultz ranked. I think we both still had him as our tight end six or tight end seven. And I think right now you're starting to see flashes of uh, Dalton Schultz. Probably he, he might still be able to pay that off. He still could be that mid range tight end one. We just need to see him get healthy, but very encouraged by his underlying utilization. To Dwayne's point about the Pollard usage, just 53% of the snaps, 14 carries and one target. You know, when you average 9.4 yards per carry and score three touchdowns, those things don't really matter. So, again, if they had to have had more of a pass-heavy approach, I'm sure Pollard's targets would have been up there. I mean, Malik Davis and Quadri Olsen aren't actually threats to that role, but we did see them, again, not go out of the way to give the guy 25-plus touches, which I do think makes sense. Are the Cowboys, Dwayne, going to all of a sudden start Pollard over Zeke? No, because they are giving Zeke $90 million. And I know it's infuriating, but it's going to happen. Jerry Jones is not backing down. We can cry all we want about it. That's the case. Like, Dwayne, I was joking on Twitter. Like, I think Pollard could walk in the Cowboys headquarters, you know, like cure COVID, cure cancer, just be like the greatest guy in the world. I still think Jerry Jones would just, you know, put one arm around Ezekiel Elliott and say, this is our guy. We ride and die with Zeke as our RB1. So it is what it is. The fact that Pollard can be this efficient with, again, just 15 touches on the day just goes to show you why he continues to be one of the best flex with benefits in football. I mean, he was the overall RB1 in his last spot start, and he's going to be pretty close this one. Yeah, the difference, you know, in a role like he had today is he gets the short down and distance, the short yardage stuff. He had 86% of that today. That all normally goes to Zeke. And so two of his touchdowns, you know, one of his touchdowns, you know, was a long run, um, you know, but one of them was, you know, down inside like the three yard line. So two of them might have been like inside the five. I can't remember, but he had 75 percent of the snaps inside the 10. That's another area where we see Zeke get more involved closer to the Cowboys get, you know, to the end zone, the more that we see Zeke. And so we didn't see that today. And those were really the edges that helped Pollard where, you know, he, he broke the long play. We know he's capable of doing that, but, you know, he was just out there in more of the high leverage situations where he could score the touchdowns. And that's what, you know, yeah, look, it sucks. I don't get it. Like if you're Jerry Jones, like, and you're standing on, you know, you don't have that, you don't have that long left. Like you're, you're an older guy. Like you want to win a Super Bowl. Like I don't see why you can't see that he's the more explosive player. And at least like make it a dead even split, right. You know, or make it just slightly ahead to Pollard. It doesn't mean you can't have a role for Zeke, 
But I mean, I think it's very clear that Pollard is the is the player that you know can instantly change the game for you. Zeke can number change one. the game for you in different ways, but Pollard in any moment can just break the long play. He's not number one on the Cowboys doing yards per carry. He's number one in the NFL among all running backs <laughs> in yards per carry. That's the point here. Like, we're not sitting here just trying to be the next two guys to slander Zeke. I think we've been pretty fair about discussing this over the years, Dwayne. And it's the fact that we'd be having this yeah, you've conversation. Been very fair. We'd be having the same exact conversation if Pollard was on like every other team other than like the Colts and maybe a couple other ones, you know. Yeah, don't 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 take Austin Eckler off the field. I don't know. Maybe we'd be looking at Eckler's, you know, four or five yards per carry and be like, well, I will, Pollard's north of six. I will say, look, all the Pollard and ETM people that have been out there saying, Oh, they're just putting these great situations. Wait, wait until like they have to carry the the ball like yeah. <laughs> in normal situations against eight man boxes and all that stuff. You guys can all just shut up now. Like, yeah. because like these guys are out there doing it. They're playing against those same kind of fronts and all the excuses, all the things that we've heard. Oh, they can't do it whenever they play in these other scenarios, like another backwood They're These guys are good players. Like, it doesn't mean that you have to not like Zeke or that you have to, you know, dislike James Robinson. Like, that's not the point, but like, just give these guys their due. Um, and even if they're not perfect all the time, they can come through with really huge plays. And I think there's just something to be said for that. And I think that's a trait that you definitely want in your running backs. I, I'll take the running back that may lose, you know, some yards here or there. I don't want them doing it all the time because you want to stay on schedule. But if you can break the long run, like you can tolerate some of that. Like we get the same thing with Saquon Barkley, right? So um, I, I just kind of get tired of hearing all that. I feel like people just keep going back to the well. I didn't see any of it today on Twitter, to be clear. Like, because you probably just got blown up. Like if you tried it today, <laughs> you know, it's not the day to try it, so. Actually, pretty similar backfield over here in the NFC North with the Bears. We have Herbert acting as the Bears version of Pollard and Montgomery as their yeah. version of Zeke here. Montgomery continued to lead the way, 68% snaps, 15 carries and three targets, but it was Herbert making the most out of his touches. 16 carries, 99 yards, and a score for Herbert. Montgomery could only come up with 53 rushing and 22 receiving scoreless yards out there. So, like, Dwayne, exactly what you said. I was taking those steps when I was breaking down this backfield in my weekly running back article last week, and I said, okay, Okay, Herbert's better than Montgomery in every single rushing stat. Okay, what about the study that I told you about where, okay, not just yards after contact, let's do amount of carries with two yards after contact on them. Oh, okay, they're virtually identical in that. Great. Well, what about the percentage of carries faced with at least A-plus defenders in the box? Herbert's faced more carries with A-plus defenders in the box than Montgomery. I see a similar thing in Chicago. This is not a scat back that's gotten on the field and got limited touches. This is someone that when he has gone out there has been really freaking good time and time again. There's four or five running backs right now in the league averaging over six yards per carry and Khalil Herbert continues to be one of them. That said, Dwayne, similar to Dallas, I don't think the Bears are just going to yank Dave Montgomery off the field. He does have higher PFF receiving grades, pass blocking grades, and he still is a good running back, even if he isn't quite as explosive as Khalil Herbert. So it hurts Montgomery because we can't feel as good about him having, you know, the 80% snap rate, just like we can't feel that way about Zeke anymore. That said, it's really tough for me to look at Herbert continuing to make the most out of, again, not a terrible touch workload, but a workload nonetheless that's going to make it really tough for us to ever put him in the top 24. For me, Montgomery and Herbert are going to continue to be guys and close start set questions. I'm going to take the other running back. Yeah, I mean – the good thing is that the Bears, their identity is the run game, right? So this is, if this offense was scoring points, what people would think um, that you would compare it to the Ravens, 
right? But they're just not at that level right now. You've got a quarterback that's much more involved with Justin Fields, much more involved in the design rushing game, which is great, right, for him. Um, like smashing those, you know, Justin Fields rushing overs. Like I'm, I'm sure the lines are all about to adjust now. <laughs> but like if you look at him over the last several weeks, like you know, he's it's basically been a three a three back committee with Justin Fields being one of them. And so David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, really being more like the old J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards that we used to see. Um, and to your point around Khalil Herbert, look when he's on the field, they're running. Today he was only on the field for 28% of the snaps, but he had the same amount of rushing attempts as David Montgomery. In fact, he had, you know, one more rushing attempt than David Montgomery. So when you see Khalil Herbert on the field, defenses are probably keying into the fact that there's a really good chance that this is a run play and he's still playing well. You know, he wasn't out there for any of the two-minute offense, wasn't out there for any of the long down and distance stuff, didn't didn't get any of the, you know, man, this is the other thing that sucks for him. 83% of the plays inside the 10-yard line all went to David Montgomery. You know, so Khalil Herbert has an uphill battle, but – we have at least heard the coaching staff acknowledge it, and and the two have tightened, right, as far as their touches go over the last couple of weeks. But Justin Fields getting more involved is also kind of capping it. But but again, like it is a run-heavy offense. They want everything to go through the run game, so that's a positive. The negative is you are splitting it three ways. Justin Fields, you saw, get a rushing touchdown today, so you've got to deal with that as well. There's going to be there's going to be a one of these guys is left out, right? They can't all score touchdowns every week, especially in an offense like the Bears. You know who knows all about not scoring touchdowns in any given week, Dwayne. Tight end, Cole Komet. But the streak <laughs> is over at long last. Yeah. Cole Komet found the end zone. His first score since December 6th, 2020. Been quite a minute over there for Cole Komet. Also want to note, Darnell Mooney put Trayvon Diggs in the shadow realm. Now, I have a specific definition for this, everyone. It's when you get the wide receiver quarterback ISO cam and the wide receiver deeks the cornerback so bad that they actually go off the screen by the time they catch the ball. Fantastic route by Mooney. He continues to make an awesome play every single week, even if he continues to not quite have the volume to make us feel all that good about starting him. You know who does have fantastic volume these days, Dwayne, is Justin Fields doing that same damn thing he did last year. He kind of lulls us to sleep. He's doing the rope-a-dope, man. He's doing (laughs) – Muhammad Ali taught him. He's rope-a-dope in all the fantasy industry. You know, four or five weeks of not much going on. Then all of a sudden you look up and it's one QB, one finish after another. No secret, he's getting there a lot with his legs. Seven-plus carries in every game this season. 45-plus rushing yards in six straight games. I mean, at this point, man, same amount of games this season. Lamar Jackson has 75 carries for 553 yards and two touchdowns. Fields has 76 carries for 423 yards and three touchdowns. Not quite Lamar, but man, we'll take 90% Lamar because that's pretty much what Fields has been on the ground. And that's even been a little bit unlucky. He had another 40-yard rush today, get called back on a reasonable hole. But then I remember a couple of weeks ago, he had that ridiculous long yep. touchdown run against the Vikings. So, man, if you just want to say what they've done in the field, which one of these quarterbacks from last class has shown the highest ceiling. I don't know how you can't say it's Justin Fields at this point, man, especially, especially in terms of fantasy. Yes. Especially for fantasy football, uh, for sure. Um, you know, I did a video on Justin Fields last week, you know, for fantasy life. Um, and it was focused on a lot of the things that you talked about, but I mean, over the, over the four games coming into this, he had been averaging 10.3 rushing attempts per game. He had eight today. So, I mean, he's still like over nine, um, you know, the passing yardage and stuff is not great, like on pace for like 2,500 passing yards and like probably 14, 15 passing touchdowns. But remember last year, Jalen Hurts, you know, only threw for 3,200 yards and like 16 passing touchdowns. And he finished as the QB nine. So Justin Fields with a little bit of efficiency luck, right, could end up somewhere near where Justin, where uh, um, Jalen Hurts was last year. But the rushing attempts are the key thing. Like if you're going to average somewhere between, 
eight and 11 rushing attempts per game. Like it's going to be really, really hard to keep you out of the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks each week, even if you're playing against tough defenses. We just, we saw him do this against new England and you know, new England had a plan for him. And then he just did this against Dallas today. And yeah. Dallas, you know, was comfortably ahead in this game and had some moments where Justin Fields looked really bad, but for fantasy, like he still came through in a big way despite having to deal with that pass rush. So yeah, Justin Fields, I think you just got to rank him as a low end QB one moving forward. Final note is another sheesh in this one. What's that Michael Parsons fumble recovery? All Justin Fields had to do was touch him. Justin Fields jumped over a man to avoid touching him. I just, I understand he didn't know what was going on there, but pretty freaking wild when you see the return that Parsons had. And it could have been prohibited just by one little touch. All right, next one here. We had a fun one over there in Detroit. Lions got back to being entertaining. I appreciate that. They did not get back to restoring the roar, though. Dolphins won 31-27, to covering us three-and-a-half-point road favorites over cash at a lowly 52. So just another week, man, of Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle just piling up the stats. Tua in this one, 382 and three tutties through the air. Tyreek, 188 yards. Jalen Waddle, 106 yards and two scores. Tyreek already has now four games with over 160 yards. I believe I saw he only had six in his entire Chiefs career. Career. I mean, we've seen the next gen kind of route tree stats of just the way Mike McDaniel moves him around. Again, for my money's worth, right now at this point in time, Tyreek Hill seems to be playing the better, seems to be playing the wide receiver position better than anyone else alive. Hats off to Jalen Waddle as well. I saw his stat when the game started, and I think he's even continuing to add up to it now. But you know, Dwayne, the big question with Waddle last year was like, how come this really explosive guy is averaging under ten yards per catch? And it's like, yeah, now he's at freaking sixteen or seventeen because look how fast to do this. Why did we ever? have to overthink that so i would just say my big takeaway here because we get the same kind of stuff going on here with the offense you watch Ty, you watch tyreek go downfield and you watch Tua. to be fair under throw him and it doesn't matter it happens like twice a game and tyreek catches the ball anyway because he's tyreek hill and he's freaking incredible at coming back to as fast as he is like his ball tracking is right up there with deshaun jackson as some of the best i've ever seen here on the deep ball so you know, I made fun of the crow hop and only 50 yards earlier. But again, it's a completion. At the end of the day, Tua is, a, is averaging an NFL high nine yards per attempt. The only quarterbacks with at least 350 dropbacks to keep that up over an entire season. 2016 Matt Ryan in that incredible Falcons offense. The best ever version of Aaron Rodgers in 2011. And arguably the best version of Peyton Manning in 2004. So, no, I don't think Tua is being asked to do the same amount of responsibility as those guys. But, damn it, Dwayne, he's putting up the efficiency number for it we haven't really seen him fully healthy for more than a couple games this year Tua, we talked about joe burrow kind of being someone ahead of kyler the rest of the way finally being the pocket passer that breaks his way into you know the dual threat range of things Tua's got to be right there too man i'd certainly take him ahead of brady at this point and probably ahead of kyler i think burrow versus Tua is a pretty good question yeah no i agree um you know you get these these quarterbacks that play like this um, in this scheme specifically where all of a sudden they have these huge efficiency years when you surround them with these weapons like this. We saw it, um, you know, with Matt Ryan, you know, whenever Kyle Shanahan was there when he had Julio Jones, um, you know, I mean, they didn't have Calvin Ridley yet. Who was the number two at that point? Like they were already on from Roddy White. Like it was past that. I think it was, it was like really? Mohamed Sanu or something. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. remember, but but they had Tevin Coleman who they were moving all over the place. So, I mean, you know, there, you have these offenses that will do it, um, you know, that, you know, and they use the running game, they use the play action, all that kind of stuff. And that all those things are working right now for Tua. And it's just, it's just super hard, man, to deal with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. That's just a lot of speed on the field, especially when you have a mind like Mike McDaniel. Um, but listen to freaking Tyreek Hill's target total. So he had 14 today. 
and I'll just work backwards to the beginning of the season. Oh, 13, no. 15, 7, 14, 4, 13, 12. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six games, right, where he's been at 12 or more targets, you know, <laughs> out of the eight games that he's played. Like it's Tyree Hill is having an absolute monster season. Like this is he's on pace to break Calvin Johnson's freaking yes. record. This is absolutely wild. And I appreciate the YouTubers are calling me out for some degenerate activity as I'm trying to blow my nose here off the screen. So you guys are <laughs> you guys can get your mind out of the gutters. I'm sure people uh, would rather not watch that go on. Anyway, with this Dolphins offense, when we continue to get the great usage with Raheem Moster again, 64% snaps. He had 14 carries. Edmonds only had four, and Moster had the lone target. And hey, he got the scores last week. I'm not worried about it. It's just this offense is going through Tyreek and Waddle. Most running backs with this usage aren't really the number three overall option in their offense the way that most are kind of is. So I'm not sweating this downturn. The usage is still there. Still certainly someone we're going to be wanting firing up in the top 20, if not the top 16, far more weeks than that. Yeah, and the game script just kind of got away in this one. You know, he, he was a little bit down right in his snaps. He's He's been, you know, right around 70, 75%. He was at 65%, but still over 60% of the rushing attempts. Um, still had, you know, 100% of the work inside the 10-yard line, which is big. Um, did share a little bit more of the long down and distance than what we've seen, you know, over the last couple of games um, with Chase Edmonds. But, yeah, it, it's fine. It's just the way the script worked out. Um, you know, the Dolphins were down quite a bit early. Um, you know, the Lions came out really hot on offense. You know, Jamal Williams, you know, got going quickly. So it's one of those scenarios where he, it's it's even in the, even with all of that said, like to still be at the 65 percent of the snaps is fine. Like you'll take so if you're in a game where, you know, you're going to be trailing a good portion and you're still going to be out there that much. I think that's a positive overall for Raheem Mostert. Only sheeshes for the Dolphins side of thing. Again, Tyreek had two long catches where with a perfect throw, he'd be dancing in the end zone. But you know what? Mahomes underthrew Tyreek plenty of times too when he do have one of the fastest human beings out there. You know, when Mahomes does it, we're going to cut we're gonna cut to a, a little bit of slack on this podcast at least. But also know Trent Sherfield got down the one-inch line. It sure looked like he scored a touchdown. They didn't review it though. And then they gave Raheem Mostert a chance. He got stuffed. And then, oh, hey, let's give fullback Alec Ingold a QB sneak. And he got in from the one yard. So that was an unfortunate sequence of events. Shout out Lemony Snicket. All right, over to the Lions now. Dwayne, keeps happening, man. I'm cursing these guys with my faded helicopter. You know, just fade it. It's a free fade, everyone. So you're welcome for that. But, you know, focusing on the usage here, I was thinking DeAndre Swift, first game back, not listening on the injury report, practiced in full all week. Come on, he's got to be healthy, right? Comes out, plays 51% snaps, five carries, five targets, got out touched by Jamal Williams, who had 10 carries and three targets. And and Dwayne Swift is out there, seemingly healthy. You're playing him over half the snaps. We still got to find a way to get both Craig Reynolds and Justin Jackson a little bit of run as well. So, hey, Lions scored 27 points when they have been healthy this year. Like, look, they've been putting up points on offense. So I don't want to say this is – I don't want to pull, like, you know, the Falcons-Arthur Smith thing where we're hating on usage when they're actually doing a good job running the offense. And Jamal Williams obviously went out there and did his thing with his two touchdowns. Amon Ross St. Brown, seven catches for 69 yards. I guess the question is because when we look at those first two weeks of the season, this usage isn't all that different from it. The difference is DeAndre Swift was averaging freaking over eight yards per carry and ripping off all these huge plays. I will say just one week from the eye test, he did not look as explosive as he did in the first two weeks of the year here, which is to be expected. He's coming back from a pair of injuries that kept him out that long. 
Was this one performance enough for you to treat Swift more so maybe like a mid-tier RB2, kind of where we're dropping, we're considering dropping Aaron Jones down a little bit, or do you still think he's a locked-in top 10 PPR back and this was just one bad afternoon at the office? No, I'm, I'm keeping him where he's at for now. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm taking into, into account that, you know, he's still, yes, he got removed from the injury report, but, you know, it's taken a while for him to get back. And so I think there's a there can be a ramp-up period here. He was still out there for the most snaps, 54%. Jamal Williams was 36%. Craig Reynolds, 10%. Justin Jackson, 2%. Just the fact that they even had Justin Jackson, you know, available in the game, I think says a little bit about that they might have been just a tad worried, like, okay, is Swift going to be okay? Or do we need to make sure we have someone to help, you know, limit his workload? Um, so I, I think that that will change, you know, over time. And Jamal Williams isn't going away. You know, we've talked about it. Like Jamal Williams, like his role is also getting all that work down inside the five yard line. So we know he's going to poach touchdowns and things like that. But I think it will ultimately still shake out where DeAndre Swift is 50 to 60% of the snaps every week, probably 40 to 55% of the rushing attempts every week. And he's going to get plenty of route participation. Like today's route participation, despite playing less than what he had, you know, earlier in the season by a little bit, right? It was 57%, right? 65% is elite. Like that's really, really good for a running back. So he was almost to that anyway, still handled hundred percent of the two minute offense, He handled 88% of the long down and distance. So still all the passing down work. So I think he's going to be fine. You know, you needed a little luck today. You, he came through with a touchdown and saved the day. It would have been really ugly had he not scored the touchdown oh, yeah. today. Oh, yeah. You know, you would only had six yards rushing and 27 yards receiving with five receptions, you know? So, I mean, you would have been, you know, under 10, under 10 fantasy points, but he did come through because, you know, the offense, you know, has shown that it can be explosive. You know, it can get in these kind of shootouts. It was good to see the Lions offense, you know, with its weapons back, show us that they can still score points because we had the two games, you know, between New England sure. and the game against Dallas where they just didn't really do anything. But six, they also didn't have any weapons. Points. Yeah, they also didn't have weapons, right? Even though Amon Ross St. Brown came back against the Cowboys, he basically was knocked out in the first drive. So it, it was good to see the Lions offense, you know, doing what it needed to do again today. I do think DeAndre Swift will be OK. I think Jamal Williams will continue, though, Ian, to be like a high end RB three. That's going to give you RB two weeks whenever he has these two touchdown games when the Lions offense is rolling. This year, we basically had three games together, and you can say Swift is maybe a little bit limited here, and in week two, I think he was as well. But honestly, that seems to kind of be with what we're moving forward with, at least for the time being. So in those three games, snaps, Swift has 103, Jamal has 66, Craig Reynolds 14, carries, Swift has 25, Williams has 33, Target Swift 13, Jamal 6. So, hey, it's a 1A, 1B backfield. Swift is getting the more fantasy-friendly targets, and that should result in far better days than we saw here. But give some shout-out to our guy, Jamal Williams, You know, one of our favorite late-round picks all throughout the offseason. Joining Nick Chubb as the only players in the NFL with at least eight rushing touchdowns. Maybe, maybe I won't be able to say that stat after Monday night, but I can say it right now. Jamal Williams tied for the league lead in rushing touchdowns. Great day to be great. It's a great day to always worship the sun god. Six plus catches in 10 straight non-injured games. Dwayne, I just, people keep giving up on the sun god. I don't understand it. He got concussed against the Cowboys. That's why he didn't put up points. He didn't put up points before that because he was coming back from an ankle injury. This man has not busted without an injury dating back to like freaking week 11 or something last year. Keep playing a Monroe St. Brown in full PPR, even if there's a fire. Top 10 every single week. No questions asked. Yeah, absolute beast. 28% target share today. Like He's always around 30. Always. Every always. single game. The only thing that can hold him back, to your point, is injury. Um, yeah, there's nothing else to really say here. One thing I will say is 
Khalif Raymond, like for the last two years, man, he pops in a lot yep. of the stuff. Like when he gets a chance, like, uh, you know, if you look at and, and every receiver can win in a different way. Right. So separation metrics aren't everything. But I remember last year when I would go in and look at the PFF data where, you know, we've actually got people that are watching every single route that a player looks at. Because if you're going to look at separation data, you can't just look at targets as complete trash. Um, and Khalif Raymond, I remember last year kept popping like he would be like in the top 12, top 14. Right. Whenever I would make the routes, you know, low enough to like include him. And then, and then he's also one of those guys where you're like, well, damn, I guess I'll move the routes up. So Khalif Raymond's <laughs> not in my lid now. Um, and he was doing it again this year, but it, you know, and we were early in the season and there hadn't been a ton of routes. I was like, damn, like there's Khalif Raymond again. And then every game, like you'll, you'll notice, like he's like very close to having like a huge play. Like he just missed, he missed a decent play today. Last week he missed, he missed a decent play, but he was still played pretty good today. So like Raymond, like, we know that Jamison Williams is still at least a month away, so now I guess maybe we're still just three weeks away. But he was actually out there more than Josh Reynolds. Now, Josh Reynolds has also been dealing with an injury, um, but he was removed from the injury report as well before the game. Um, we don't, you know, who knows how much that means, you know, with Dan Campbell because we saw DeAndre Swift limited as well. So I would still think Josh Reynolds, right, with DJ Chark out is probably still the two. But we're about to have six teams on by next week. So you'll hear me throw out a few names for you guys tonight that I wouldn't normally throw out um, just because I know you got the six uh, teams on by next week. And hey, hand up. I came at Dwayne's throat when he brought up Terrence Marshall last week and the man put up 80 yards. And I also, (laughs) when I cleared my mind, I actually picked him up on two teams that Dwayne and I run that are like 14 team leagues with three flexes. And guess what, Dwayne? He helped lead us to some victories today. So thank you uh, for that. Final note with that wide receiver room is the fact that don't forget DJ Chark got put on injury reserve on October 22nd. So he's going to be out of the picture for several more weeks as well. Don't be afraid to get Khalif Raymond in there. He had a nice 45-yard catch, 43-yard catch to set up a touchdown. Better ball, he would have walked into the end zone. Josh Reynolds also almost had a diving touchdown, just couldn't quite get around and you know pull off a Romeo Dobbs like we saw on Sunday night. But I'm with you on Raymond, man. Like he did enough last year just from watching the games that like week eight or nine, I remember I made him like a 45 second highlight. You know, one of those highlight films where it just shows Jared Goff missing like a wide open dude every yeah. time. But hey, I don't do that unless you can get you know 30, 45 seconds of it. So really, it what is someone that I think if you've been watching closely, yeah, I think a lot of times he's out there more so for you know the type of double moves and maybe those routes that are going to help him stretch the separation downfield but again similar to those running backs like when we see him getting a full-time role now and making good use out of it we got to change any priors that we might have had before vikings took down the cardinals 34 to 26 covering as four point favors the over cash at 48 and a half six and one vikings Dwayne. now if you look closely at their schedule at those games you know you're not going to put them up with the chiefs or the bills or even the eagles or anything but a winner is a winner is a win and kevin o'connell does have this offense not even in my opinion reaching their full potential but still being an above average group by pretty much anything you want to look at 13th in scoring going in this week they should improve on that 13th in epa per play i mean they they had that big time stinker in week two in philadelphia on monday night i think a lot of people kind of wrote them off as the same old vikings but every other game they've scored between 23 and 34 points like in a league Dwayne, where we can't get any consistency i feel pretty good knowing when we put on a vikings game justin jefferson is going to be flirting with 100 plus yards dalvin cook's gonna go get his 100 and a touchdown and after that Dealing will score at least every three weeks, as I'm quick to remind anyone every time uh, we get that streak running dry. Unfortunately, Irv Smith hurt his ankle in this one, so we're not sure if we're going to be able to get him to really be breaking out. But it's Dalvin, it's Jefferson, Adam Thielen's a perfectly fine wide receiver three, and I think that's good. 
Yeah, there's nothing else to really talk about here. Madison obviously remains a high-end handcuff. Yep. But the rest of it, yeah, it, it's a very it's a very condensed offense. Irv Smith, you know, we've kind of seen him bob around a little bit here and there as far as his route participation goes. But again, another game where it was it was under fifty percent today. You just can't start a tight end that you know uh, when you're, you got to have Johnny Munt though, man. I mean Johnny Munt, you know Johnny Munt's always doing his thing. He's out there forty three percent of the route participation. So they've really got this split tight end thing going. Shout out to uh, Mike six seven seven pointing out that dual threat Kirk Cousins strikes again second straight <laughs> week with a rushing touchdown. So early career Kirk could actually scoot a little bit. He had uh, five four and four rushing touchdowns from twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen. He only had one in each of his seasons with the Vikings though from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty one. But hey, Kirk Vick out there making it happen lately. Love to see it. Another quarterback that is running more than he did early on in the year. Kyler Murray add another thirty six yards on the ground today. But more importantly. Dwayne started finally flirting with some upside through the air. 326 passing yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, he threw a pair of six, but for some, yeah, he threw a pair of picks, but for some reason, interceptions are usually only minus one point in fantasy leagues, which I don't really get. But guess what? Because of that, we really don't care about him all that much. So, Kyler, really, I mean, even when he wasn't playing that well in the first four or five weeks, Dwayne, you looked up and he was still at the QB7. QB8, because guess what? When Kyler doesn't play that well, he still finds a way to run around a lot and just pick up points in garbage time, unlike a lot of these guys. So again, good news from Kyler. And it makes sense that when Greg Dorch isn't like the one freaking guy out there that we can rely on, and we have guys like a healthy Hopkins, like a healthy Rondale Moore, good things happen. And those guys were carrying the load here. Hopkins caught 12 of 13 targets, 159 yards, and a touchdown. I don't know what PEDs he was taking, Dwayne, but I want some. Rondale Moore got a nice little 38-yard catch-and-run touchdown, working way more out of the slot this week again, which helped a lot. I mean, total snaps, 45 out of the slot, 30 out wide, two in the backfield. Last week, 49 snaps were out wide and just eight were in the slot. So seeing Rondale back in the slot, they put Robbie on one side, had a little bit of A.J. Green going in there. I think he dropped a chunk day chunk gain down the sideline you know vintage washed up aj green zach Ertz even broke a tackle out here Dwayne. i mean the cardinals really went <laughs> out there <laughs> and did a lot of good things they only scored 26 points but for the first time again i think this was one of the most frustrating offenses to watch in the first six seven weeks of the year not because they suck but because again i brought this stat up all the time dead last in the epa per play in the first half and then they were number one in the second half no, this isn't an offense that looked like the number one offense for four quarters, but they're getting closer. And accordingly, man, Kyler, Hopkins, and I think even Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz, we can be feeling good about all these guys more weeks than not moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Kyler is we knew it would eventually come. Um, you know, he and Hopkins are just like, they're just locked in right now. 27 targets over the last two games for DeAndre Hopkins. He had 32% uh, this week. Last week, he had a 50% target share. So I think he's feeling pretty good. Um, you know, maybe we don't want the PEDs because he's off of them now. So I don't I don't know. Like, I, a lot of people thought he was on them last year or something. So I, I have no clue. But DeAndre Hopkins, whatever he's doing, whatever he's eating, whatever he's drinking, whatever hyperbaric chamber he's sleeping in, like, yeah, <laughs> he's living a good life. Um, and he's playing great. Um, so I know there was a lot of worry that DeAndre Hopkins was washed. You know, people, we didn't really get to talk about him last week on this show because he played on Thursday night. So mm -hmm. I remember even us talking through, you know, he was kind of similar to Allen Robinson, right? He was a guy where we were like, well, it's hard to say, like, did he really fall off last year? Cause he was hurt. Even if you, if you went back and looked at his target shares and stuff, like he got, if you go look at the game logs and you look at his injury report, like he hurt his shoulder in week one and he was basically a decoy for like two weeks. Then he got healthy. 
demanded quite a few targets. Then he like pulled his hamstring, you know, then he tried to come back from that. Then he ended up with the knee injury. So there were only like four, three or four healthy games in there where at least like it looked like he was healthy based on the injury report. And that's the bet. That's all we have. It's all we can go off of. But like in those games, I can't remember now. It was like, it was either 24 or 25%, you know, target share in those games. So, and it was hard to say, but Allen Robinson was the same way. We were like, well, he was hurt. He was playing hurt. Like the offense wasn't good. And both of them, it's kind of funny. I bring it up because, you know, we can tell the story two ways. For DeAndre Hopkins, it's like, ha-ha, you guys are wrong. He's not washed. Like for Allen Robinson, it's like, well, damn it. You know, maybe <laughs> Robinson was just done. You right. just, you know, you just don't know, like, which way some of these things are going to go sometimes. But I will say Hopkins obviously was on another plane, right, uh, as far as his talent profile historically look, looking back. But we had talked about him looking, you know, being a similar player to, say, a Brandon Marshall who he had seen really come back, you know, after kind of a down year before, and he had come back and had some really big years um, because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't need great route running, right, to win. He doesn't need to be wide open. He just needs a quarterback that's willing to throw him the ball really at any time. Not to say that DeAndre Hopkins can't create separation or can't get open. You saw several plays today where he was really open, you know. Mm-hmm. He can still get open, but he's just one of these guys, man, when he and Kyler get going, it's like, hey, dude, just throw it to me. And, and, you love that. If you get that going with your wide receiver, like that's kind of what's going on with Tyreek Hill as well, right? When you get it where it's just, hey, dude, throw it to me, you're in a really great situation. You mentioned Rondell Moore. He had a season-high 98% route participation, and really the the spot behind him is just a rotation out in. So it was A.J. Green out there for 39% of the routes. Greg Dortch, 33%. Robbie Anderson was only out there for 10%. You know, maybe they're still trying to work Robbie. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, it seems like Robbie would have already had a bigger role this week. Like, isn't Robbie's role pretty much, dude, go deep? You yeah. know, DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins is like, hey, dude, just get open. I'm going to throw you the ball. You know, Robbie is like, just go deep, go deep. And so Rondell is looking really good. I know people were kind of low on him last week. Um, you know, I know you and I had a conversation about him on one of our lineups this morning. And um, I, I was, it was fine last week. Like you're just not going to, you're not going to come through every single week, but Rondell had eight targets, seven receptions, 92 yards. And he came through with the big play. That's the thing we haven't seen with Rondell, but we know it's there. If you saw Rondell more play football in college and you watched any of his film, like the thing you walked away thinking was, wow, when the ball's in his hand, I have no doubt. Like the dude is an electric playmaker. The questions were, how much can how many targets can he demand in an offense? Can he be press coverage? All this other kind of stuff. But when the ball is in his hands, the dude is a baller. And we saw that today. He broke he broke one of those shirt tackles that we see now where the guy's <laughs> holding the shirt and it's like about like it's about to snap like a rubber band. So yeah, I like all the guys. I think it's a good call on your part. And you know, the Cardinals, I don't know how good the play designs are, but you know, Kyler's running around doing his thing. They're throwing they threw the they dropped back to pass 78% of the time today. So that was really good. Obviously, they they were in a game where they trailed quite a bit, but they've been throwing the ball plenty. Saints took down the Raiders 24 and nothing, covering rather easily as a one-point home dog under cash at 48 and a half. So Alvin Kamara breakout week comes right as he allegedly has been the talk of some trades. The Buffalo Bills are floated out there. Los Angeles Rams sure seem like they are looking. We will see what happens with Alvin Kamara. But Dwayne, it's similar to Christian McCaffrey for me. Like we can talk a little bit, and we're going to talk wherever he goes. If he goes to the Rams, we're immediately going to be pulling out Sean McVay's numbers of not throwing to running backs and all that stuff. It's Alvin Kamara, and if someone's going to trade for him, they're going to give him the sort of workload that's going to keep him very much in this RB1 discussion. So, yeah, we can discuss if it's ceiling is more as an RB1-6 like one to six overall or like a 7-12 to 12 overall. You're starting him every single time. I just think the all the freaking time that this community has wasted – 
talking about McCaffrey in San Francisco. It's like, yeah, he's Christian McCaffrey with Kyle Shanahan calling his plays. He's going to get the ball and he's going to put up big time freaking numbers. Is he going to catch 150 passes? Probably not, but guess what? He's still going to be someone you're never taking out of your RB1 spot. So at a minimum, as long as Kamara is in New Orleans, hey, the one great thing we have, Dwayne, is betting the over on his receiving props every single week. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'm not someone that claims to be this, you know, 60, 70% hitting on my gambling. But when I saw that four and a half receiving receptions line, Dwayne, I'd like cut off our entire flow with my injury pod and just be like, I was going to talk about this later, but screw it. Let's do it now. So ends up now, man, just with Andy Dalton under center. Now we've had four games where it's like, I believe six, six, seven, and most recently nine receptions out there. And it's on the one hand, having Andy Dalton under center and not, you know, Gunslinger or Jameis. On the other hand, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry also not being in the picture so Alvin Kamara finally found the end zone not once not twice three times his expected fantasy points have been top three all season long with Andy Dalton under center Dwayne and with these other guys injured I mean Kamara really does have overall RB1 upside in his range of outcomes moving forward yep every single week he just hadn't had the touchdowns they came through today um you know with with Kamara it's I do think even once the other guys are back like as long as Dalton remains the starter it's it's really big for him because Jameis just does not check the ball down. It's kind of funny. You know, people talked about the McCaffrey thing, how you don't get targets to the running back in the Kyle Shanahan offense. But if you go back far enough, you'll see there were plenty of targets, you know, to the running back. Like Jameis. Carlos Hyde. Throwing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Carlos Hyde had a yeah, actually a really nice year. But like even going back to like Arian Foster, uh, you know, they used to get Clinton Portis involved way back in the day. Like there's been a lot of guys that you know, have gotten, you know, plenty of targets, you know, in that offense, you know, at the running back spot. And and McCaffrey's very special. But like Jameis Winston has like basically been Kamara's kryptonite, you know, and Jameis really hasn't never, he just stays down. He keeps that downfield mentality no matter what. Andy Dalton is much more willing to, he's trying to run this complete, you know, offense at all levels of the field, right? He wants to hit the underneath stuff, the intermediate stuff. He'll still take some shots deep, but Jameis, you know, has just kind of got that, Hey, I only live once. Like I'm not checking the ball down. Like I'm just not doing it. Um, so it's interesting. Like we have these conversations, you know, there's certain environments, you know, there are players where it's like, doesn't matter. Like they're just going to get their targets, but there are certain quarterbacks that just for whatever reason, like they don't want to make that kind of throw, uh, you know, and a lot of times it ends up being the guys that run, but in this case, you know, Jameis, he's just YOLO. Remember those Madden, that shitty version of Madden with the passer cones and, you know, Peyton's was like the whole field and all that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I do remember the passer cone. You could try to look the guy off. Yeah. So if Jameis had a passer cone, like his line of sight just like wouldn't even start until it was like at least 10 yards downfield, like check down. (laughs) No, just always looking past it the entire time. And that's why he is so fun to watch. But to be fair, Andy Dalton continues to put these guys in a position to score a lot of points. Now their defense really hasn't been good for most of the year. It was today though. I think that's pretty much everything we need to say with the Saints offense. Chris Olave, five catches, 52 yards, a little bit of a down game. Okay, the guy can't be a top 20 wide receiver every week. We are going to go back to ranking him as that as early as next week, though, because, again, he is the clear-cut number one wide receiver. Worst case, number two pass game option behind Kamara during a given week. Oh, I did want to talk about Taysom Hill a little bit here, Dwayne, because he had 10 carries. He had one catch. He even threw another pass. Didn't find the end zone this week, but – my goodness, if they did trade Alvin Kamara, I mean, Taysom Hill could lead this offense in carries. It's unlike anything we've really come across. I had a good discussion on the injury pod with uh, Nick Botiford about it. And honestly, at first, I thought I had to rank him behind guys, even like a Hayden Hurst, like even behind kind of like the full-time no. tight end. And said, no, I've, I've come around. I got through it. 
it's him. Like, man, the previous concern was like David Njoku versus Kyle Pitts every week. And now this week, I'm basically between Kyle yeah. Pitts and Taysom Hill. It's really, really tough to keep Taysom Hill out of the top eight, even the top six tight ends some of these weeks, man, because as much as the snaps are weird and we're getting rush attempts instead of targets, like we're getting a lot of goal line rushes and we'll take that over what a lot of these other dudes are offering. Yeah, and and with Taysom, you know, we did have Mark Ingram get hurt pretty early in this game. That's all you had left was Dwayne Washington and they didn't really want to give him much. So I think that helped Taysom a little bit, but all the things, all the points you made are still true, right? You know, He's going to have two or three passing attempts, you know, uh, potentially in a game today. He only had one drop back. Um, you know, he's going to have somewhere between, you know, probably five and seven rushing attempts every game. And now if he's starting, you know, today he had two targets. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he's, he's getting utilized in every single way. Um, you did see his snaps a little bit higher this week. Again, that could have been tied back to Mark Ingram. Yeah, was also the, out. yeah. You also had, yeah. You had Adam Troutman out. So it's, um, the range that you talked about, I think is right. It's basically right there. Once you get to like Kyle Pitts, like it, you know, Taysom Hill is definitely a guy that you can consider. Cause like, go look at all the tight end scores today. Like there's a lot of guys that are still below his 8.3 fantasy points, Yep. you know, and we know what his ceiling is. His ceiling is 30, right? So that's the thing you have to remember with Taysom Hill. He gives you a similar floor to a lot of the crappy tight ends, but his ceiling is just way higher. And on that premise alone, you know, he's got to be, he's a low end, he's a boom, I call him a low end boom bust tight end one, like period, you know, but he's going to have plenty of weeks, you know, where he's going to still treat you like a mid-range tight end one, and and that ceiling is so high, like he's one of the few that you can look, look up and be like, oh crap, like he just outscored Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. On the other side of the ball, the Raiders cross midfield for the first time with three minutes and 15 seconds left in the fourth the quarter. Happened, so that's uh, that's how their offense was going. I was trying to get my uh, Photoshop game on, Dwayne, which is always just, you know, so, so well executed out there. And I was going to get the uh, old Wilt Chamberlain picture holding up the 100, Photoshop Devontae Adams face on it with a big zero there instead. No, he didn't finish with zero yards. He got all the way up to two total yards. So ruined my day, and I decided to scrap the project maybe another time. But yeah, Devontae Adams, the famous flu game we had coming was not meant to be. And nothing in the Raiders offense was meant to be. I mean, Derek Carr threw for 101 yards. Josh Jacobs got game scripted off the field, basically 10 carries, 43 yards. Ended up seeing a lot of Amir Abdullah and even Zamir White and Brandon Bolden just for a few snaps in their own right. And it just kind of takes us to like, is this offense even very good? Because, yeah, we have Josh Jacobs. We have Devontae Adams. We're starting them every week no matter what. But Carr was someone this week against a banged-up Saints secondary that hasn't been good this year. Pretty Seemed like a pretty safe QB1, and has, that has not been the case at all on the season. I mean, I was talking about Trevor Lawrence's numbers and just any way you look at him, he's a mediocre quarterback. Derek Carr, just a smidge better. But if I did the player A, player B thing, like if people might miss it, and I wouldn't even blame him for doing so. Like that is how close they are. So Josh McDaniel's experiment, Dwayne, not really going great so far. Do you think it's just one bad afternoon at the office? Again, I'm not worried about Jacobs or Devontae Adams. It's more so expecting Darren Waller when he comes back or even Derek Carr himself. Yeah, I mean – I don't, man, this, this was just the weirdest performance. Like you said, like I, you know, I didn't expect necessarily like, you know, this, this offense, I kind of have tempered expectations. I don't, I don't think they're just going to blow up every single week, but with how well they've been playing, it's been really interesting. Um, yeah. So with, with Derek Carr, like I'm looking at him, he's, I'm still going to consider him in the same range. I'm going to treat him that similarly, right. To what we talked about with Trevor Lawrence, I'm not going to overreact too much, but you're, you're right. Like it's, he's really not been what we thought he was going to be you know, as far as being kind of that high end, you know, uh, QB two 
that could, you know, kind of maybe be an arbitrage play, right, on someone like a Joe Burrow. He hasn't been anywhere near that. Um, but the offense has been good enough because they score a lot of points. Like, so as of last week, you know, it's going to change this week. But as of last week, they were number five in the league in converting their drives into touchdowns, the percentage. So, like, they and they were number one in scoring, right? So that, in, that includes field goals. So they had some good things going for them. This week, like, you know, the volume hasn't been there over the last couple of weeks because they've really leaned into the Josh Jacobs experiment. They've been running the ball more. This week, you didn't get the volume in the passing game. You also didn't get the efficiency in the passing game. Now, they had to drop back and pass 75% of the time today, and that definitely hurt Josh Jacobs. I saw something in the chat like Josh Jacobs, maybe something with his foot. I don't know. I didn't I didn't hear I didn't see any of that on social media, but he still had 80% of the rushing attempts. But you did see Amir Abdullah take over the long down and distance today. Amir Abdullah, they didn't I don't know how you don't use the two minute offense when you're getting your ass kicked, but they didn't. Um, you know, they also gave 100 percent This probably just isn't very many plays. I would have to look. Uh, plays inside the 10 yeah obviously it's low because they suck today only two that's probably nothing they went to Amir Abdullah but you did see uh, Josh Jacobs get replaced in the passing game today which is something we haven't seen he had taken all that over getting all the two-minute offense all the long down distance so maybe this is the one kind of game script we've got to be leery of with Josh Jacobs you just get into a super trail mode maybe they're just going to use someone like Amir Abdullah more or maybe there was something with Josh Jacobs with his foot sorry I, I did not see anything on that he was know, uh this pod he didn't have an injury designation. He practiced in full on Friday. He was limited on Wednesday and Thursday with a Yeah, I saw injury. that. Right. Okay. So. All right. So they're just talking about that. There wasn't anything that flared up in the game. Really? I didn't know. Sometimes in the comments, I know people, because we're like, watch, I'm watching Red Zone, so I don't mm-hmm. necessarily get to see everything in the day, like on Sunday. I try to go back and watch more during the week. But yeah. Yeah, the Raiders offense, man. Uh, Hunter Renfro, God, like. I, I don't know what to do with Hunter Renfro. Like you can't have him anywhere near a lineup. Like today he even got to be out there 91% route participation because they trailed. So they used 11 personnel a lot, but really uh, all those routes we thought he was going to get like the Wes Welkers of the world, like nope. the Jacoby Myers, like the Edelman's he's not getting that. Like when they go to the two wide receiver sets, because Mac Mac Collins has surpassed him, you know, as the guy that gets to stay on the field. And, and it makes sense. Like Mac Collins is a good run blocker, which I think is why they like having him out there. Cause they're trying to run this offense through Josh Jacobs. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, I think the Raiders are still not being fine. Like efficiency wise, we're probably just not going to get, I don't think we're going to get anywhere near the volume that we thought we were going to get out of this passing game though. I think that's pretty much out the window. Good follow up from Josh. Apparently Jacobs might've got a stinger after getting 11 yard catch, got shaken up. Hey, we'll see what happens again. One of these things where, you know, between now and usually when uh, the practice reports get released on Wednesday, a little bit in the dark. So get better, Josh, those shoulder injuries can be a pain in the ass at running back. Same thing with ribs. Patriots took down the Jets 22 to 17, covering as three point favorites under cash, just barely at 39 and a half. So last week, Damon Harris was back. He practiced in full, wasn't on the injury report. Ramondre played like 80% plus snaps, workhorse RB1 roll. Was not the case this week, but Dwayne, that's fine because we still had all the pass down work, and he's still someone that with this usage is going to be awfully difficult to keep out of the top 15. And honestly, if he's going to be this featured in the passing game, you can go ahead and rank him as an RB1 anyway without the 80% snaps. So this week specifically, it was Ramondre, 62% snaps, 17 carries, 7 targets. Damon Harris had 42%, 11 carries, and 2 targets. Ramondre continues to look awfully good with the touches. He ripped off another 35-yard run, caught 7 of his 8 targets. 
targets, and he was even banged up for a little bit of this game going in and out of the medical tent, but he went ahead and returned. So we got Jacoby Myers, like it's the uh-oh, happy learned how to putt. Jacoby learned how to score touchdowns. Dwayne, it's been fantastic so far. So really in this offense, unfortunately, when Jonu and Henry are together, we can't really trust them. I don't think Damon Harris at this point as the clear number two has much value other than a touchdown dependent RB3. You hate yourself for having to start sometimes, but you just got to do it. So we got Ramondre, top 15 running back. And man, Jacoby Myers, look, Dwayne, I already had him. I think last week, wide receiver 27, 28. Like I've been, I've been trying to be up on him. And you know, as well as I do, like when we rank him wide receiver 27, it means he has like wide receiver 17 usage, but it's just Jacoby Myers and you don't have to (laughs) rank him that high. But in his last nine games with Mac Jones under center, he's had 13, 6, 9, 8, 8, 8, 12, 8, and 12 targets. Good for an average of 9.3 targets per contest. So everything about Jacoby Myers was always, hey, look at this guy. Look at all the underlying metrics. Obi doesn't score touchdowns. Now he's scoring touchdowns, Wayne. And all of a sudden, we have someone knocking on that door of that wide receiver two conversation. I think I'm ready to let him in. <laughs> yeah man 37% target share today uh and like he's we talked about him a lot in the offseason the only thing he needed was the touchdowns and and we and we also acknowledge that will they come we don't know because he's not like a player that breaks long plays right he's not like a great yards after the catch guy he's not going to beat you over the top down the field he is a guy that just is catching a lot of balls and so those types of players that are playing in the slot that depend on that heavy volume they also, you know, they're, you know, they need their offense to be good to score a lot of touchdowns. You know, it's just, it's not in their nature, like the nature of their role and their skill set. It's, it's tough to have like these huge touchdown seasons. But how bad Jacoby Myers' touchdown luck had been was like just overdue for the damn to finally break. And so it's awesome. Like it's awesome to see it happening for him. He, he came through with 21 points today in, in PPR formats. You mentioned Ramondre. Um, you know, to your point, Damian Harris did carve out a little bit more of the work today. But Ramondre, again, still leading the way in the rushing attempts, which we didn't see before Damian Harris got hurt. We had one game where Ramondre had done that before Damian Harris got hurt. This is really the second time Damian Harris has been hurt this season. But 34% of the rushing attempts to Harris, 53% to Ramondre. But Ramondre, man, the big thing is just the passing game utilization. You know, I mean, 23% target share again today. Like, he's he's borderline right there with, like, he's getting very similar utilization to, like, Kamara, to CMC, to these other guys. You know, he's not quite there where they are on on the snaps um but like he's very similar to Kamara actually in the rushing attempts you know and then when you look at his target share it's really good so yeah Ramondre even even before like this last Damian Harris injury he was already to a low-end RB2 maybe I mean sorry high-end RB2 low-end RB1 utilization and I think he's gotten a slight bump I think his he's just earned his way into being the you know, the lead guy, yes, he's still sharing, but I think we've seen enough now to know that it really is Stevenson um, is the lead back in the offense. So I think he, you, you've got to consider him, you know, that he's honestly still a mid-range RB1 because of his passing game utilization. You know, as long as that stays there, like he's just, you know, that's what he's going to be. He's a mid-range RB1. He's someone you're going to rank every week, you know, in between like RB5 and RB8, RB9. Like it's going to be tough to keep him out of that range. So I think I'd, him versus ETN is a good conversation. I still might give the slight nod to ETN, but we got to put Stevenson ahead of like Pierce and Walker, these guys that don't have the same pass down lockdown. Yeah. I mean, Walker, you know, is interesting. You just, you know, some of it comes down to, you know, your tiebreakers and stuff that you'll look at with matchups, right? Um, yeah. Just because he's so damn explosive. 
And, and we'll talk about him more later, but like he's still been getting a little bit of the passing down work. Like the raw upside of Walker, I think, is just enormous. But yeah, I mean, Stevenson having this role, if he's gonna if it's gonna stick like it is, and he's gonna continue to get more of the rushing attempts and all the passing down work, because used to it was Damian Harris got more of the rushing attempts. Stevenson was getting like 40% and then would come in on passing downs. But now if he's gonna have this lead role in the in the run game plus all the passing work. Yeah, we got to consider him someone that, yeah, I mean, there's going to be weeks where he should definitely be ahead of Kenneth Walker, I think for sure against Damian, uh, ahead of Damian Pierce. This was a long way for Dwayne and I to say, start Ramondre Stevenson every freaking league you have. You probably already were doing that. And guess what? You should be happy that you get to continue to do that. And if you have a, even a reasonable question about why not to, then your team is freaking loaded. And congratulations on your upcoming playoff run. On the other side of the football not Zach Wilson's best day at the office. He did get us some counting stats, though, and that's what kind of gives fantasy a bad name when you could argue this was Zach Wilson's best game of the season from a fantasy perspective. 355 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Yeah, he threw, you know, three picks, right? But that's part of the experience, damn it. And, oh, my goodness, with these picks, hilarious to watch. Just, I don't know. He's allergic to throwing the ball away. The Jameis Winston passing code, like Zach Wilson, it's like he plays with, like, walls on the sidelines. He just doesn't think that he can actually throw the ball out of bounds sometimes and unfortunately we're just the the recklessness the gunslinger mentality we don't see enough of those hit to offset all the bad it brings man this year only justin fields has a higher turnover worthy play rate but fields and some of these other guys drew log Jameis winston you see them i made up a freaking stat for them that entertainment index whereas the guys that are really good and big time throw rate and really bad in turnover worthy play rate zach wilson is just bad all the way around with him man he's only 29th in big time throw rate and the big issue comes down to pressure this stat is ridiculous Dwayne. zach wilson under pressure this year is nine for 47 141 yards, a touchdown, and five picks. 33% adjusted completion rate. The next lowest quarterback is Mitch Trubisky at 41%. Every week in my quarterback article, I look at the quarterbacks that have the biggest drop-off, you know, when they're kept clean versus under pressure. And every week, Zach Wilson is the most sensitive to the pressure. And you watch him play, and you see the holes in the offensive line. You see how what's Zach Wilson supposed to do there. I don't know, but what he's doing isn't working. And when other quarterbacks are in that exact same situation, they aren't nearly as bad as what Zach has been. So, unfortunately, in this offense, yeah, we might have days where a guy like Tyler Conklin is able to get some touchdowns. We saw that with Joe Flacco in the past. And if he's going to work well ahead of C.J. Uzoma, that's good. We can start to maybe get him back in that tight end one borderline conversation. Garrett Wilson, another impressive day. 54-yard run. I think I saw a funny tweet from Robert Mays talking about how Garrett Wilson never looks like he knows what he's going to do next when he's running. But <laughs> the defense certainly does not either because that guy is freaking dynamic with the ball in his hands. Hell, Denzel Mims has a 63-yard catch. There is plenty of talent in this offense. We see it every Every single time Joe Flacco has to go under center, Brees Hall was obviously making it so they didn't have to throw the ball as much as they really, you know, would. They haven't had to throw the ball as much as you would think fantasy managers might like. And Zach Wilson, obviously, not exactly up to the task. So, with all that said, I'm expecting the inconsistency to keep going. What the hell is going to happen with Elijah Moore at this point? Because we got asked, head coach, hey, what's, what's going on with Elijah Moore snaps, quote unquote? Wanted to get Garrett Wilson on the field more. Asked Elijah Moore on his chemistry with Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, quote-unquote, I don't get the ball. I don't know. Are they just going to shut him down, Dwayne? Jeff freaking Smith. Jeff Smith, the guy that we bring up once a week as a joke because he gets two snaps. <laughs> this time, Jeff Smith, more snaps, more routes, even had a target where Elijah Moore only had one as well. So it's just at this point, man, I, Garrett Wilson. You're hoping, for a, you're hoping for a trade. 
Uh, I mean, please. obviously they're they're pissed at Elijah Moore. If you're not going to play him, you're going to do him. They should have already traded Denzel Mims in the off season. This, this this team, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like what? I mean, Denzel Mims is a guy that they had multiple teams come to. They came to them, wanted to trade for Denzel Mims. No, we're going to keep him. So what? You can have him inactive all the damn time. Like that doesn't help you. That's not helping anything. And if Elijah Moore's sick of being there, like just move him. Like he's a good player. I know Elijah Moore's still a good player. I don't know what's going on with this offense. Obviously, with Elijah Moore, if you're playing in a shallow league, you probably already cut him. If you're playing in like a 14 teamer, don't cut him right now. At least get through the trade deadline, you know, before you make your cut, you know, on Elijah Moore. Um, because you could wake up, right? And he's on a different team, and that would be the best case for him right now, to be honest. Like, think what we'd be doing, like if Elijah Moore had been the player that went to Kansas City. As much as we love oh. Kadarius Tony. Like if Elijah Moore had gone to Kansas City, we'd be like just going bananas right now. So look, the Packers, they're probably about to lose. They they need a receiver. So I mean, they need to make a hard run at a player like this. So we'll see what happens. But if you're gonna, it, he's in the doghouse for sure. Salah's sending him a message right now, and it wasn't Garrett Wilson getting more work, right? Garrett Wilson, yes, Garrett Wilson's been getting more work. But it was yeah, these other guys. Denzel Mims was out there. To your point, Jeff Smith. Had no one, no one did. has a problem, Robert. No one has a problem with you playing Garrett Wilson over Elijah Moore. It's Jeff freaking Smith. You thought yeah. you could slide <laughs> Jeff Smith past us? No. Yeah, and I think we know uh, Tyler Conklin. Like you just have to know it's a game where the Jets are going to be getting their, you know, they're going to be trailing or having to pass a lot. And all the games, he's kind of like he's the Devin Singletary uh kind of thing he's the, the devin singletary corollary right at tight end a little bit of a different situation but you have to have this very specific game script but in all these games where they've had to drop back and throw a lot uh where the games were really close or they were coming from had to try to come from behind tyler conklin's played well in all of those if you get a game where it's more balanced and they're actually out there and they had to drop back to pass 73 percent of the time this is a team that has been more you know like at 50 percent or below uh, to your point with Brees Hall, with these other guys. Um, so with Conklin, it, it, we talked about this with the Jets. We talked about, even though we had seen some really good things from the running game, that we felt this was probably still a very fragile situation because Zach Wilson was going to end up turning the ball over. And that was going to put the team in bad situations. That was going to create scenarios where they needed to throw the ball more. So it gives a little bit of life to the receivers, but still we don't know exactly when those days will come because their defense is actually pretty good. So it can keep them in games. Um, man, the the running back situation is, is not good. At it. oh, it's man. not good. It's not good, Bob. <laughs> I got a bad feeling about this, Bob. Um, yeah, the all three guys were involved. Michael Carter did still he still led the way. 56%, you know, snap share, um, 49% route participation, 44% of the rushing plays. He was out there for 82% of the two minute offense. So technically he was still the lead back. That is good enough to be like a low end RB two. I, I don't know that it will, it will stick because I think James Robinson is going to continue to get more work. James Robinson, even though he just came over this week had 38% of the rushing attempts this game, but only 22% of the snaps. And then our favorite Ian Ty Johnson, you got to have Ty Johnson involved. Like he needs 32% of the snaps. He needs to play on 21% of your passing plays. He needs to, Ty Johnson is a, he's an, he is a, you know, inside the tackle banger, man. You I, I want to him... see on his chest, Dwayne. Let's get, let's get, make him captain. Come on. <laughs> yeah. him, him and Jeff Smith. He had 67% of the, of the short yardage work. Like what the hell, like what's going on? And then he had 92% of the long down and distance. So really technically he and Michael Carter split the passing work. Michael Carter got the more valuable stuff. We want the two minute offense. That's where you get more of the targets long down distance. A lot of times you have to block. Um, but man, a three-way committee and an offense that might not be very good. Um, yeah. not Again, Michael Carter's 
utilization profile this week would be good enough to qualify him like as a low end RB two, like I said, but this is pretty scary. This last week with the rankings, I had Carter and Robinson just, I had Carter like maybe like 29th or 30th. Like he wasn't a complete, like yeah. can't play. Robinson was like a can't play. I put, I, I like, I think Tyler Algier or someone, you know how it is when you always pick someone in your rankings that you just end up like, okay, what about this guy? Like when I really want to do it. So you end up having five players right behind some poor dude, like Tyler Algier or something like that. That was kind of my line. I'm not going to feel good about going to James Robinson next week. And honestly, I'm going to have to drop Michael Carter too, because there's a chance that this could turn into something gross like Washington, where Ty Johnson is a JD McKissick type guy, just that risk of taking a third of the snaps during any given week. We can live with Michael Carter and James Robinson in a bad offense. It's not going to be great. Now the guy's going to be in the top 15 on a weekly basis. But if it's all three of these guys, now all of a sudden we could be talking about each of them honestly being a waiver guy before. Well, and this is this is also a game script thing. You know, Michael Carter, this might be the best kind of game script for him. I, I think where where we see James Robinson get even more involved is if they can keep the game close or they can happen to get a lead, right? And they want to play, you know, let their defense play. I think in those games, you could see Michael Carter, like it'll you're not going to know you're going to need to know like, like are the jets going to be leading or are they going to be trailing? Right. Mm -hmm. And like, if I had to put a chip down every week, even though the jets have the record, they do, I would still based on their quarterback, like most of the time I'm going to bet they're going to be trailing, (laughs) you know? Um, But if it doesn't go that way, like we saw earlier in the year, then I think in those games, you could see James Robinson really be the guy. And then you get nothing out of Michael Carter. So even though today, like it was like a low end RB two profile, like it's not solid, because I think it could be game script dependent and James Robinson still learning the playbook. Final note, Devontae Parker did suffer a knee injury and got ruled out. So it could help things for, you know, some of those outside receivers, specifically Tyquan Thornton, but for now still mostly just Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson in that Pats offense. All right. Eagles beat down the Steelers 35 to 13 covering as 11.5 favorites over cash at 43, just vintage grown ass man, AJ Brown wide receiver one season game. Six catches, 156 yards, three touchdowns. Each touchdown was like in double coverage, Dwayne. It was ridiculous. A.J. Brown. There were some good throws. There were some good throws. throws. Great throws. Right right over the shoulder in the basket in tight areas and great ball tracking by A.J. Brown. Like just great all-around play by both players. The man ran out of touchdown dances. Like that's how big of a freaking (laughs) game it was out there. Like he didn't know what to do after the third one. He just started pointing at guys and he drew a penalty. And like, come on, you scored three. He scored three touchdowns in the first half. It's like the old uh, NCAA football league. I thought he was about to get a fourth. Yeah, almost did. He got, oh my yeah. gosh, you, you know he wanted it too. But yeah, Lee Corso back in the day, you know, most guys, most guys dream about scoring three touchdowns in the game. This guy, he just did it in the first half. So AJ Brown just going absolutely nuclear. And yeah, one of those things again where he's going to be top 10 every single week moving forward. If you want to rank him fifth, third, fourth, eighth, go for it. You're starting him each and every week. Now, Jalen Hurts, it was good to see Dwayne some of those deep balls and just some of the good things happening with that because it had been a little bit since he had this sort of passing game and it's not that we did thought he could never have it again more than enough examples of him getting it going but literally over the past three games Jalen Hurst only had two total passing touchdowns and he was averaging just 199 uh, passing yards per game so obviously he's fine with all of his rushing stuff but just to see this ceiling here for a guy like AJB wow you know Pascal had a touchdown too Dallas Goddard has six catches 64 yards yeah Devonta Smith was the odd man now but we understand that's what's going to happen in an offense I still likes to run the ball a lot. So final note here I had on AJ Brown. I had to triple tech, triple check this stat to make sure I had it right. And I do, and it is uh, ridiculous. This is not a slight towards the Titans. They are on a five-game win streak. That is fantastic. Mike Frabel, give him the coach of the year. 
That said, Dwayne, receiving yards this season, A.J. Brown has 659. Every Titans wide receiver combined, 658. The man's good. <laughs> I Again, they had to do what they had to do, but man, I wish that Titans for their sake and for their fans' sake still had. Did they have to do what AJ they Brown. had to do? I don't know. They did. I don't know. Come on, man. Like AJ Brown getting rid of him. Like just come on, do hey, this. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me, Dwayne. But all right, this backfield, we've gotten some murmurs about maybe Kareem Hunkos, the Eagles. Maybe they're actually someone looking for a running back. And I don't, I don't, I don't look at the Eagles offense personally and be like, oh, they're just, you know, a better running back away from really being something to mess with. Now, if they had someone like a Kamara, like a Hunt, someone that could, you know, work across all three downs a little bit better than the at times, you know, Butterfingles. Butterfingers of Miles Sanders. Okay, that could perhaps help things. But hey, Miles Sanders has been one of the more efficient rushers of the ball this year. You know, pass game limitations aside, he did find his way to get into the end zone here. So once again, with the Eagles, we're starting Hertz and AJB everywhere. Goddard's going to be a top five tight end more weeks than not. I just think Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders, because of kind of how this offense is set up, we're going to get some duds. We're going to get some booms. But more than anything, man, it's a top five Eagles offense. Just feel good. if you. We talk about some of these offenses, Dwayne, and we're like, hey, if you don't have anyone you know, from the Broncos or whatever like in your <laughs> yeah. lineup, hey, if you have anyone from the Eagles, you're probably feeling pretty good. Yeah, man. Um, Devonta, Smith, Devonta Smith still had a 28% target share today. Like, he's a buy low. If for some reason, people think like big games like this, it's a psychological thing, right? When they see when some when everybody sees AJ Brown go off like this, they're like, "Oh God, man, Devonta <laughs> Smith can't get anything," and then he'll be the guy next week that's going to score two touchdowns. He's a really good player. Go buy low. Go see if you can kick the tires on it. See if you can get him now. Um, AJ Brown, obviously, we discussed him enough. Dallas Goddard, same thing. He's fine. Twenty-one percent target share. It's a condensed uh, target tree. The, these are the three guys, so I think it's fine. Uh, the nice thing for the Eagles today, 63% drop back rate, and they were leading the whole game. So it was a game where they decided, based on what they saw with the Steelers, um, they didn't want to keep running the ball. We've seen them actually over the last several weeks run the ball more. So there is something going on with their opponents and the matchups that they think that they have, and that's really dictating the way that they're running their offense. But um, the backfield, really, it's it's – Sanders is really the same place he's been, you know, 51% of the snaps, 43% of the rushing attempts. We did see Boston Scott, Boston Scott had 38% of the rushing attempts today. Somehow. Mop up, mop up. Pure Seven mop carries up. for 21 yards. So, yeah. but still it's not good. Like you, your, your running back has so many outs and one of them is being the closer, yeah. right? So it's not, it's not about saying, go pick up Boston Scott. It's more about, well, damn, like, can we just get the miles? Can we, can we add five of those seven carries to Miles Sanders so we can get to the hundred yards and maybe get lucky and get another rushing touchdown? That's the problem for Sanders. They never fully cut him loose. It, he doesn't get to work in the passing game. If they get ahead, they give the ball to Boston Scott. They rotate guys. And so he's going to always, I think he's going to be fine because he's in an offense that you like. You just know you're never going to get what you could. You know that if they just let Miles Sanders go, like you could have these 30 point outbursts. You just, you're not going to get those. It actually was nice he had as good of a day as he did. This was his first game all year where he didn't get up to 15 touches. I think he was one of only like four running backs that had gotten there every game this year. So, man, it's a salvage. And that's because they the threw more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and, hey, I think you might have said it last week. Like, hey, again, I said before, Jalen Hurts' last three games only had two passing touchdowns. They were still scoring just fine, just mostly on the ground. It made sense that it was about time for that to come back around. Now with the Steelers, they have a bye next week, so we don't need to spend too much time on them. I don't want to be too overly critical about Kenny Pickett in the passing game because when this happened, 
we looked at the schedule. We said this is going to be tough, and it has been tough. When you come in, first NFL debut, halftime against a very good Jets defense. Then you go into Buffalo, I believe. Then they face the Bucs. He gets concussed. Then they go into Miami, Sunday night football in the rain. Then they go into Philadelphia, a team that just can't help but improve their roster through some way, shape, or form every other week, it seems like. So, for me, the early returns on Kenny Pickett haven't been fabulous, but there's at least been enough ability of him showing some dual threatness. Not that I'm going to be signing up to play him in fantasy down the road, but dual threatness. <laughs> dual threatness. There we go, Dwayne. That's, it's about the time we start it. changing the uh, English language here. But look, Fryermuth, Claypool, Deontay, not Najee, but. Uh, you know, and, and our guy, George Pickens. We've had a lot of players in this offense flash throughout the year. I'm cautiously optimistic that we're not going to have complete zeros in this passing game following their bye. That said, like, after the bye, Dwayne, I don't know if Deontay Johnson needs to be a top 30 wide receiver anymore. And unfortunately, we're at a point where I think we assumed that if Deontay wasn't going to be there, it was going to be Pickens taking over or Claypool taking over. Right now, unfortunately, until we see this efficiency step up from Pickett, who averaged only five yards per attempt here, it's too spread out to feel overly good about anyone involved in this passing game. Yeah, but the positive is, even earlier in the season when we would see the Steelers get behind and they would be in these bad spots, they just they did not want to let Mitchell Trubisky throw the ball. Today, you had 75% drop back rate. 75% of their plays are dropping back to pass. So anytime you have that, there's going to be hope, especially if it's a young player like Pickett that can eventually get better. Pickett isn't someone I'm super excited about having, you know, in anything other than a super flex. We just want him to help make these other guys viable. And Deontay Johnson is the perfect example of a guy that if you can be drop, if you can be running a lot of plays and you're throwing the ball a lot, he can come through because he's, I mean, he had nine targets today. Like he's still a guy when you look over, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, okay, Deontay, fine. You're an art, you're a wide receiver three. But anytime I think about pushing him any further than that, I just go look at his damn targets. I'm like, I can't move him any further than that. There's like no way. Right. Like, I mean, every week it's like eight, nine, 10, eight, nine, 10. So it's like, he's right there. And if all of a sudden there could be a little more efficiency on the bone, like we're going to be very quickly talking about him as a wide receiver two again. So I'm hoping that we can get the Steelers, you know, moving forward. You talked about the stretch that they've had as the schedule softens up, you know, you get a bye week to work with Pickett. You know, I'm hoping there can be some better days ahead for the passing game because they've shown they're willing to throw the ball. And that's my main takeaway. That's all I really care about right now with the Steelers. They are willing to throw the ball more. And that's a good thing. Pickens goose egg does come with a little bit of sheeshness in there. He did have a typical awesome contested catch downfield, but they called him for an OPI this time around. I thought it was a little ticky tacky. I also have Pickens on a lot of fantasy teams. So take that for what it's worth. And then he also had another back shoulder chance in his hands, just couldn't maintain possession through the ground. Our guy Mogul, who I know is a mainstay in the PFF chat. Always appreciate you brother, but pointing out that Chase Claypool, also a big trade rumor guy. Yeah, that would certainly help Deontay and Pickens really condense the targets for the life of me. I don't, know why unless they think you know what claypool taking a dip from gunner after getting the w was like a bad locker room move is that the latest thing we're going to hold against claypool i look i think claypool is the third best wide receiver in pittsburgh if you want to i know what he said in the offseason third best wide receiver in the nfl clearly that's not true but go ahead and make a list of the top number three wide receivers on every team in the league and i don't think you're going to get that far before putting claypool up there bro he had this contested catch today where he caught it and then proceeded to drag like two defenders another eight yards like like it would have been like on the ESPN front page if it had been George Pickens making that play. So Claypool, honestly, like you can argue over the last four weeks has been the more, most impressive of the group with, you know, Pickens, uh, just his ability to make those highlight catches aside. So just my way of saying Deontay's really freaking good. So is Pickens and Claypool. 
not exactly shitty at football in his own right, but yes, should know a lot more about some of these situations following that trade deadline on Tuesday. Exhilarating NFC South showdown, Dwayne. The freaking win probability map was going bonkers at the end of this <laughs> one. Falcons, 37. Panthers, 34. Carolina covering as four-point dogs, though, over at just 41 and a half. What an insult to these two juggernaut offenses. And yeah, Dwayne, I don't know what else to call the Falcons offense. They are apparently a juggernaut. They are the fourth most efficient offense in the NFL and EPA per play. The Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles are better. That's it. They have PFO's fifth-ranked offensive line run blocking that has allowed guys like Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley to keep on keeping on. Their receivers, yeah, they don't actually get the ball all that much, but when they do, they've been making pretty good use of it. Kyle Pitts today, five catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown on American soil, no less. Had Demir Bird, you know, looking like one of the faster guys on the field. He's made a couple plays over the week, over the last few weeks. Hell, even Tyler Algier caught a screen and went into the house, so. It's one of those things, man. Why did Drake London, you know, not even have a target until like the third quarter? I don't know. Why did it take this long to get Kyle Pitts nine targets? I don't really know, but it is weird how Arthur Smith, all these bad things we like to say about him, the man keeps putting forward a top 10 offense. So for that, I'll give him two claps. And then you can say whatever you want. <laughs> no, man. Look, at least the players are on the field. That's been our beef yeah. with Arthur Smith, right? Not anything about like how he calls a game, uh, schematically the things he does. We've, we've, you know, we like things that he did last year with Corderell Patterson. It's just been like, come on, like Drake London can't be on the field for 90% of the routes. Kyle Pitts can't be out there for 80. And they both were today. You saw Kyle Pitts at an 87% route participation. He was over 80% last week. So that's two weeks in a row. Let's give another two claps, Ian. Uh, Drake <laughs> London was out there 90%. Um, so he was actually ahead of, um, you know, Zacchaeus today. So that was good. Demir Bird, you know, 58%. Like he's just a guy that, you know, they're getting out there trying to make some big plays. But yeah. Like Smith's fine, like as a schemer. It's just fine. Have the players out there. As long as you're doing that, like I have no argument. I mean, I would still argue a little bit like that. I mean, really, do you want to waste 30 touches on Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley, and Avery? <laughs> you have to. Williams? You have to. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know that I'd want to go that far, but I mean, you know, whatever. Like, I get it. You want to be a run back. He's obviously trying to make up for Marcus Mariota. He knows he doesn't have a lot there. And they're playing good enough that they're winning games. And so, you know, that's what a coach is going to do. They're going to keep trying to win. He, you know, we know he's told us he's not playing fantasy football. He's trying to win. He's trying to win games. But even in this shootout, man, the team dropped back to pass only 46% of the time. So really what happened is you get overtime and you get this big boost to the volume. It really helped out everybody here today, um, you know, because you got all the extra plays. You got 28 drop back or 28 passing attempts today from Marcus Mariota in a game where they only threw the ball. 46% of the time. And it wasn't even truly throwing at 46 percent because three of those times Marcus Mariota took off on a scramble. But it was still a positive. The players are out there. So like I, I like I don't have anything else to say. Like there's it's still it's an offense that I downgraded last week in the utilization report. It still looks exactly the same. It just happened to be a day where they played with more pace, got extra plays in overtime. It's really hard to start anybody from the Falcons. Um, but at least Kyle Pitts and London are out there. So that makes them guys that if you have them in the lineup you know they're at least not they shouldn't be at least a complete zero or they have a chance to earn targets hey 37 points good job by them we do see some underlying things like the league high 40 48% play action rate that's good but yeah end of the day this isn't going to change their standing as the most run heavy offense since Rex Ryan's 2009 New York Jets 
They're good throwing the ball. Mariota averaged nine yards per attempt today. Coming in this game, he was top 10 in yards per attempt. I get it. If you increase the volume, he's not going to stay top 10 yards per attempt. But man, 16th, 17th, what are you trying to get out of this year? You're trying to develop Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier, maybe a little more Kyle Pitts, Drake London. That's our only beef there, Dwayne. Keep- I will say with Algier, um, I wrote about him in the utilization report last week that there was a little bit of a sneaky trend with him. He was trending upward. He continued that this week. Now I did give, you know, Caleb Huntley actually got more rushing attempts than him, 16 versus 14. But we've seen Algier out there, you know, in the long down and distance and all that stuff. Having said all that, might be getting Corderell Patterson back next week. Yeah, right? buddy. Would, yeah, buddy. Anticipate Patterson. Look, Patterson, like if he comes back and he's playing well, like if they a running back makes a big difference on a team where you want to have 30 rushing attempts every week. Like if you can have a guy that's explosive like Cordero Patterson, we know they won't give him all of that, right? He'll he'll share some of this. I don't know if he'll play the Huntley role, the Algier role, what he'll do, but most likely Tyler Algier goes back to my guess is Tyler Algier is the number two, right? And that Cordero Patterson's the number one. Um, hilarious, but true. Before tonight. Cordero Patterson, still more fantasy points than A.J. Dillon, David Harris, Melvin Gordon, Daryl Henderson, James Conner, DeAndre Swift. I know some injuries are going into that, but first three weeks of the season, guys, RB5, RB52, RB6, even gutted out an RB2 finish in the last time we saw him in week four. So CPAT on the sidelines today, rocking a free Calvin Ridley t-shirt. Love to see that. And yeah, he's been uh, posting some videos of him full-on sprinting. So we don't know for sure if he's going to be back in week nine, but he is eligible to return. Fingers crossed. Go go get back out there. CPAT, we are all waiting for you. All right, that is good on the Falcon side of the ball. Now on to the Carolina Panthers. First of all, Eddie Pinheiro, you lost this football game. This is not a team sport. You're a kicker. You're not part of the team. You had two chances to win this football game. You blew them both. I do not want to hear one person blame this on DJ Moore. DJ Moore had to go, Dwayne, have one of the best athletes on the planet across from him, not just one, two. And he runs past them 60 yards downfield, corrals a freaking pearl of a deep ball from P.J. Walker, the longest completion in the air that next gen stats has tracked in terms of air yards and dj Moore dives and catches that yeah he's a little bit freaking excited he just won the game and he gets a flag for freaking taunting celebrating are you kidding me we still bash these guys and then every freaking couple months we get the video coming along of bill belichick literally telling his whole team how great it is to celebrate so all these boomers that want to strike down guys like dj Moore, because eddie pinero can't take three steps forward and kick a ball between the uprights. It's the only thing his entire life he has to focus on, Dwayne. You're a busy guy. You got you know, 10 kids. You know, you got this budding career taking over MB fantasy life. You got a lot of things going for you. And you got 30 freaking fantasy football leagues. He has to take three steps forward and kick a ball. And not only could he not do it on the extra point, but he had a redemption chance in overtime and he still couldn't even get that right so that's why we don't talk about kickers on this pod because everyone would just hate me for dismissing them all the time but you know what i'm gonna do it right now because damn it dj moore played his ass off man 152 yards and a touchdown he won them that game he did not lose them that game and i'm gonna be furious if that ends up being the main storyline here so not on this podcast right this is gonna be the eddie pinero hate club from this point forward <laughs> Yeah, that's all I got to say. I mean, DJ Moore. <laughs> is was, that all? Is that's that all? all. So go ahead. Whatever you want to say now. I got. Yeah, well, I mean, look, DJ Moore, you know, you tweeted it. You know, has PJ Walker freed DJ Moore? I don't know. I don't know. But he did today. Like, I still, I'm still scared to death of the Panthers passing game. Um, but, you know, 31% target share to Moore today. 
came through with 27.5 fantasy points, you know, 11 targets, six receptions, 152 yards and a touchdown. Obviously the big play that you talked about was an app, just a, a great players make great plays. And that's what DJ Moore is. He's a great player. Like God, I hope at some point, and, and this isn't a, like to, you know, look, PJ Walker, you had a day. I, I just want to see DJ Moore. Like, I don't want to do the Allen Robinson thing. I can't do it again. Like I want to see this guy play with a quarterback. I want to see the Panthers with a good quarterback. Um, so let's 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 see if we can make that happen at some point. Um, you mentioned Terrace Marshall. We brought him up last week. Ninety five percent route participation, twenty six percent target share for Marshall. Um, wasn't hyper efficient on that. Nine targets, four of them. You know, he caught um, only fifty six percent of his targets were catchable. So that wasn't all on him. But still, just nice to see the former second round pick that a lot of people have written off in out there getting to play as the number two and seeing the targets. So. I think Marshall, he's pretty much available everywhere, unless you play in like leagues like Ian and I do, where we were just, you know, elated to get in and start him. Um, he's a guy that's going to be on the waiver wire, you know, this week. He's going to be a big name to be thinking about. I know it's, I say big name in a deeper league, right? Where there's nothing left, right. hardly. Terrace Marshall's still available in a lot of those. And we know it's a young talent, so there's still a chance. I'm still, like I said, scared to death of this offense, Ian. So I'm not like saying, hey, go for broke on him. But we got a lot of teams on by next week, right? And yeah. Carolina's not one of them. So just had to look over my sheet and make sure of that because uh, we have six teams that are off. Um, Deonta Foreman, we did not have Chuba Hubbard today. Chuba Hubbard was officially the starter last week. I don't know that Chuba Hubbard will be the starter when he comes back, though, because Deonta Foreman looked really good. I did a piece this last week over at Fantasy Life. And I talked about um, you know Justin Fields. I talked about Kareem Hunt. And then the other guy I talked about was Foreman. And it was really all about sell high. And at the time, you know, the coaching staff had told us Chuba Hubbard was fine. He could have came back in that game last week. And knowing that really like 50% of, you know, Foreman snaps last week came in the fourth quarter after Chuba Hubbard was hurt. Like, so it would have really looked bad. But when you come out and you have a game like this, regardless, like would the other player hurt? He, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I may lose. I, I don't know, like if I'm that convicted anymore about sell high on De- Deonta Foreman. I do think it's still going to be some sort of committee. Um, it's, it's obviously a good time to sell high because Deonta Foreman is probably not going to have another game this big, you know, three rushing touchdowns, 29.8 fantasy points. So he came through in an absolutely huge way. So if you don't need him, I absolutely would sell him high. But if you need an RB two, I'm a little less, I have a little bit less conviction because we've seen Chuba Hubbard before and look, they could come back and completely put Chuba in the lead. We have no clue what these coaches are going to do, right? We're, we're only guessing. We only go off the information that we have. But I thought Foreman looked good enough, Ian, that, I mean, I would be kind of surprised, like, if they came back and said, yeah, Chuba, you're the starter. I feel like Chuba really should be the change of pace and that Foreman should have earned the starting job with the performance today. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. The question is, can this Panthers offense actually keep looking like a decent scoring offense? Because before this game, they hadn't even broke 24 points on the year. And, I mean, the four weeks before this, 16, 15, 10 21 points like the Buccaneers game was like a miracle and we were freaking out you know they scored 21 points at the end of the day so it's good I love PJ it is a great time to sell Deonta Foreman I will say that I I I can't tell you sure that he won't be the starter but what I can tell you and and I think you're kind of alluding to this like I still have a lot of doubts about the offense well did he even get it looks like Spencer Brown and Raheem Blackshear took a lot of that pass down work correct yeah, they did. Well, no, no. 70, sorry, I should have mentioned that. 79% of the two-minute offense went to Foreman. Oh, Foreman right. had the two-minute offense last week, too. And he had the short down and distance stuff. So long down and distance he didn't have last week. Um, 78% of the snaps inside the 10. This, that's, which isn't surprising, right, when you don't have Hubbard. Um, but I think this could be more like a 60-40, which isn't necessarily going to be great. It's kind of like what you talked about earlier with the Jets. You're like, hey, we could live with two running backs in a bad offense. wouldn't be the end of the world. We can't have three. 
Right. You know, so as long as Spencer Brown or Blackshear, one of these other guys aren't really like a thing, which I don't think they will be. I think it'll just pretty much be two guys. You can probably be okay. But again, you it could totally get flipped on its head next week, and we could be doing this show being like, well, just kidding. Cuba <laughs> Hubbard, 70%. That makes it – once you have a guy like this score three touchdowns, Ian, I would, I would not feel bad like if I sold Foreman. You sell him high, and if you end up being wrong on it, whatever. Hope, you got to get something good for him. Right. That's the whole point of sell high. Don't just give him away. Yeah. That whole the, man, two big misses from usually a pretty accurate ESPN national reporter, Adam Schefter, but telling us, man, that foreman was could have entered back in if he could have, which obviously he didn't lie. Didn't Chuba, make up yeah. that information. Yeah. Chuba, my bad. Obviously, some. So I shouldn't be mad at Adam. I should be mad at the source. And then yeah. similar thing with the uh, Dave Njoku injury. Just, you know, there's we only get. Like, really, out of all these reports we get from these guys, I'd say 10% of those tweets are, like, actual sources. The rest are them just literally taking what the team accounts say from the practice reports. And you know what? That's fine. We do need people to help circulate all that into one area. But just sucks when you do go out of your way to get that report. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, someone that was just like, oh, Deontay Foreman busted a long touchdown last week. He should be a good play this week. You know what? That's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Final notes in this one. We did have a few sheeshes. Terrence Marshall almost had a nice little end zone fade touchdown. Caught the pass, just couldn't get his feet down in bounds. And the DJ Moore explosion was almost even bigger, man. Like, he's going to probably still be on the top of the list of, like, the most unrealized air yards despite this big game. He was open deep down the sideline for what could have been, like, a 50-plus yard game. Unfortunately, P.J. just sailed it. And then he had a potential 28-yard touchdown, just a bit underthrown. So, hey, still awesome two games from P.J. Walker. He's shown more in these two games than anything Baker has this year, anything Sam Donald did last year. Hopefully they keep on rolling. And, again, it's just a shame that Eddie Pinheiro had to ruin everything for the Carolina Panthers there. Before we keep on going, guys, I want to pay a few bills. I want to note that you can make every play feel exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Ohio is not that much further away from finally getting this stuff legalized. I cannot wait. First place I'm going to go take my money and my talent is the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet in any college football game. Sorry, any football game, professional or college, only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code PFF. Note that minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. Also, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Western and Southern Financial Group. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up now to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. And as always, y'all give a shout out to our sponsors over at Sleeper. We have our usual Sleeper of the Day segment. Have my two leagues going on Sleeper right now. PFF League continuing to just, you know, it's sad, Dwayne. You, you do a zero RB team sometimes and it's all the rage and it all looks good. And every now and then you want those sad zero RB teams that never quite manages to get those uh, waiver wire running backs <laughs> that everyone keeps talking about. And then all of a sudden you're losing to your very hardworking, lovely producers who I like, but I don't like losing to anyone, Dwayne, let alone people I slack with every day. So all that aside, again, every time I go on sleeper, I'm always just always just loving the ease, the ease with which you can use it compared to some of these other platforms out there. So 
Segment for today with Sleeper is our top potential streaming options if you need them on Monday Night Football. And guys, Harrison Bryan, I think, is going to be on the cover of all these waiver wire articles. Najoku out with his high ankle sprain. I think it could be a multi-week injury. And we're going to see Harrison Bryant, the former Mackey winner, as everyone, including myself, has to say. Every time we discuss him, he's going to go out there, have a 90% plus snap rate, and potentially walk back in that same target-heavy role that that David Najoku has been having with Jacoby Brissett under center. Other than Harrison Bryant, if you're in a pinch god forbid something happens with the kareem hunt situation and all of a sudden he's a late scratch because of a trade or something like that the Ernest johnson guys that's the real one you should be getting and we put you on this last week already but if there's still time he hasn't played his game yet so if you have it, there's some leagues right, where you can actually drop guys on your bench that have already played for guys that haven't played if you can do that and get the Ernest johnson again he's going to be someone instantly that's going to cost you a lot on the waiver wire to get Nick Chubb's primary handcuff. Maybe Jerome Ford could factor in a little bit more. I understand it's not a complete one-to-one situation as last year, but three separate occurrences in 2021 of Dearness Johnson having that Pollard, Madison, every down type of role. The Browns will not give Nick Chubb a 90% snap rate under any circumstances, but if Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are out of the picture, they will give it to Dearness Johnson. I don't know why. It's the reality of the situation. So our key Monday Night Football pickup of the week is going to be Dearness Johnson. If you happen to need a tight end, it's Harrison Bryant. Wide receiver help, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and then Mike Thomas in that order. Again, appreciate everyone over there at Sleeper. Afternoon games, Titans took down the Texans 17 to 10. Titans covered as one point favorites. The under cash at 39 and a half. All these afternoon games, Dwayne, I think left a little bit uh, to be desired. We got, I guess, a you know, fun performance from the Seahawks and Giants down the stretch, and that was a pretty good time. But this one in particular, just what exactly was the Texans' goal? Coming in this one, were they unaware that Derrick Henry was going to try to just run the ball down their throat? They thought Malik Willis was maybe going to air it out 30 times per game. Like, just from the first They were snap- stacking the box, man. They just could not stop them. Oh, they God. couldn't do anything. They were they had everybody down there. All right. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Well, it was I a was superhuman. Watching the game, I was like, yeah, there's eight, nine. Doesn't matter. Eight yards. And to be fair, the numbers back this up. Derrick Henry, 13 missed tackles for us on carries alone. That's second highest on the season, only to Damian Pierce's famous 17 missed tackle performance back in week five. 190 of Derrick Henry's 219 rushing yards came after contact on the day. So, yeah, Dwayne, you throw the ball 10 times. Not much is going to happen in the passing game, but nothing's been happening in this passing game anyway. Still the only offense in the league without a single top 24 week from a wide receiver. Again, A.J. Brown, 659 receiving yards. Every Titans wide receiver combined, 658. So basically, all this is, Dwayne, it's, hey, two claps for Derrick Henry if we want to keep doing that weird bit that I'm coming up with on the fly. And uh, just that's a three, that's three claps. Ooh, that's three claps. Three, three, there three, we go. There we go. 35.8 fantasy points, at least three claps. So again, four straight games against the Texans with over 200 rushing yards. He's got, I think, now nine combined touchdowns. It's r- ridiculous. We all know how great the big dog is. Do you think, Dwayne, like, okay, here's here's the more intriguing question that the mainstream media won't be touching on after this performance. Derrick Henry, let, let, let's do a nice scenario. Derrick Henry has, he rethinks life and he decides to go start a new charity foundation in like Austria for the rest of the football season. It's a really good cause. He's not injured. He's not suspended, but he's not playing football anymore for the rest of this year. Where does Dontro Hilliard then fall into the rankings? Is this someone that we can feel like, Poor man's Austin Eckler, middle-class man's Austin Eckler. Last year, he did get the pass-down work, but he was splitting carries with Deontay Foreman. I tend to think that would be a similar situation with him and Hassan Haskins, but maybe we're sleeping on it a little bit. Hunger's been really efficient on the ground, and he can also do a lot more in the receiving game than either Henry or Haskins. 
Yeah, I mean, he's one of my most rostered players. Like, we have him on a lot of our rosters together, yeah. just sitting there, just in case. Like, uh, you know, what's the the picture that we see all the time, the meme? F around and find out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm trying to F around with Dontrell Hillier. We'll find out. Like, if Derrick Henry goes down, uh, we don't want Henry to go down, obviously. But, yeah, Hillier looked really good in the passing game again today. Looked nice, you know, on the ground. Doesn't get a lot of carries right now. But I, I tend to agree with you. I think Hassan Haskins would have a role. We just don't know how much, like, because he doesn't really get anything right now. Um, so there would be a chance that Hilliard would get maybe 50% of the rushing attempts and then get all the passing down work. And if he did that, that's going to be enough for him to really pay off. And like, he's played well. So, I mean, he, he tied for the team lead today in target share 22%. Now Malik Willis only threw for 55 yards. So it wasn't really, wasn't really worth like that much, uh, you know, but uh, you know, eight carries for 83 yards today. So he, he's, he's got something to him, you know, obviously, uh, like you mentioned, the Texans couldn't stop anything. But like this offense is all Derrick Henry. Um, this would be really bad. Like if they lose Derrick Henry, like yeah, I'd be Hilliard could give some fantasy value. But like I, I know we say running backs don't matter. Like on this team, they do. Like if they lose Derrick Henry, they're done. Like they're they're toast. I know last year we said that, and it was like, oh no, look, they don't really need him. Deontay Foreman, they don't have AJ Brown anymore. Like, so it's just like they're in a really tough spot if something happens to Derrick Henry. So they're going to have to kind of take it easy a little bit on him. Like they've been, been giving him a lot of carries over these, these 32 carries today, you know, and he had a target. He only had one target today. They didn't they didn't really worry about, you know, passing the ball today. Do we have we don't have to talk about any of these receiving options, do we? Like they No, also- but it's just Malik Willis. He only had 12 rushing yards out here. I yeah. mean, it's, it, do we need to kind of treat him like. We don't want to fall in like the Justin Fields trap again where we kind of have – we have the dual threat archetype. We know Willis can do that, but we also yeah. – it's it's not like just because you're, you're a dual threat – look at Sam Ellinger. Like just because you're a dual threat quarterback doesn't necessarily mean you're going to put up great fantasy points. I think Willis can be that guy, but you still kind of need to be able to throw a forward pass. And right now, like it's clear they aren't trusting him with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the tools are there. But he's also somebody that we know is very raw. That's why he fell in the draft. I know there was the hype, always going to be a first-round pick, and he wasn't anything near, you know, a first-round pick. But if he can, if he continues to stay on the field, you know, they're going to have to open that up some, yeah. you know, because other teams are not going to let Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is really tough to stop, but there are teams that will will limit this, right? They won't let Derrick Henry be the complete game plan. So th- that's also part of it today, Ian. They just never were. Dude, they dropped back to pass 24, 24%, man. They just didn't even need to. All they right. didn't need to. They never if it's a neutral, they're not playing the Texans. So we're not thinking Henry's going to run for freaking 200-plus yards each and every time. Neutral, neutral opponent. Would you rank Malik Willis over Aaron Rodgers? No, I said, okay. I, I still, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's really, that's really about where it's going to be Rogers. though. I mean, dude, yeah. Rogers is like my QB 18. So that's fine. He's definitely going to be someone. He, more so conversation. Mid- Sad to say. Sad to say. Sad to say mid to low end QB2 conversation. That's fine. You know, every now and then we get a little. No, the sad to say is that that's where Aaron Rodgers is. (laughs) Malik Malik Willis, like, it's fine to put him there and let's see if he earns his way up. The the thing is, he has the tools, right? So as soon as we start seeing more, he's a guy you can move on quickly. He's a winner. He's a winner. winner. He is a winner right now. Yes.
five straight of them for those Tennessee Titans. Again, congrats to Mike Vrabel and company. Uh, yeah, Damian Pierce, uh, He, I didn't catch Lovey Smith's postgame uh, presser. I'm guessing he's saying Damian Pierce not getting 20 touches, completely unacceptable. That seems to be exactly <laughs> what they go to every time. Brandon Cooks was getting shut down until the end. He had an awesome last drive, 44-yard catch down the stretch. We'll see if he still remains a member of this team here. Uh, yeah, Damian Pierce, guess what? He got shut down here by a pretty beastly Titans defense that has shut down almost every running game they faced since Saquon Barkley in week one. Not going to hold that against him. Anything you want to say about the Texas run? No, no. I mean, Damian Pierce's role really didn't change. He's the main guy. Yeah, and like you said, we'll see what happens with, with Brandon Cooks. Does he get traded? Does he not? This was, I thought he had a chance today, you know, because the ten, the Titans, as good as they've been against the run, they're terrible against the pass. Like, they get just scorched everywhere. And so I thought there was maybe a chance today for Cooks to come through. Um, he gave you 11.3 fantasy points. It wasn't the end of the world. But I thought this might be a game where we'd see 20, 23, 24 points out of Cooks. It just didn't work out. We had the late. It was weird. He got listed questionable with, I believe, yeah, uh, late, in, it, late, late week. Yeah, but he was full. He's <laughs> like, so he practiced yeah. in full, but he's injured and he's also questionable. So that that part like just a, didn't make like, sense. That's like a Seahawks, you know, yeah. report. I will say, I do think, um, remember that week two when the Bills just blew the Titans out of the freaking water? I think that's, you know, influencing their ranks a little bit there, but certainly not a secondary we should be fearing overly. But yeah, even over the last four games, they suck. But, it's just yeah. the Texans ultimately. So, you yeah. know, awesome. <laughs> yeah. All things, yeah, point to the Texans. Awesome. The Davis, the Davis Mills thing. Like, I just, I think you can know that you don't have. And look, like he doesn't have a lot to work with. Like I do watch Davis Mill, like Davis Mills, when I watch him, I, it's kind of like, um, it's almost like Cooper Rush. I'm like, man, like he throws, like he throws a pretty ball. Like that's what I always think. But then I look at his fantasy points in the, the day. I'm like, he must have been able to read coverage or something. Like, I don't know what's yeah. going on for sure with him, but yeah, it's a, uh, a lot of bad performances. So I, how often does he get to 20 fantasy points? We don't even need to look it up. Next team. <laughs> Commander 17, Colts 16, Washington covering as two and a half point dogs under 40 cash. Terry McLaurin back to back weeks, clutch, clutch catches down the stretch over Jair Alexander and Stefan Gilmore to go. Just basically grab, you know, victory out of the jaws of defeat. You can say it was Taylor Heineke and I'm not here to shit on Taylor Heineke. He's made some solid throws throughout this. Yeah, a lot of mistakes too, but that's part of the Taylor Heineke experience. Hey, they went out there and they got the W. It's just Terry McLaurin being so freaking good, Dwayne. And hopefully now with Heineke giving him at least A-plus targets in these games, we can actually see McLaurin get back to having more consistent uh, production. That said, these two games have coincided with Jahan Dotson missing with a hamstring injury. Diami Brown also being out with an injury. So, yes, it is good that McLaurin is clearly overtaking Curtis Samuel as number one option, at least for Terry McLaurin, fantasy managers. It's good. Do Am I still expecting McLaurin to all of a sudden be this consistent wide receiver one, even upside wide receiver two? Not exactly, but, man, there were weeks there where McLaurin wasn't in my top 30. Now, at least I am more confident he's going to be in that weekly top 24 again. Too damn good not to. So, I think the more uh, interesting part is the backfield drain. Antonio Gibson has been someone floated around in some trade rumors himself. On the other side of things, we got Ron Rivera going back and forth with this backfield. What is it about organizations that have nothing good going for them and they just want to talk about their running back rotation all the damn time? That's what's going. And to be fair to Washington, four and four, real life football stuff's fine. You guys can figure out what I'm inferring with all that. But in the backfield, the problem, Dwayne, is it's not Antonio Gibson versus Brian Robinson. It's always got J.D. McKissick in there as well. And in this one, 
36% snaps for Gibson, 36% snaps for McKissick, 25% snaps for Robinson. So Gibson was easily the best of the group. He really, I think, has been the entire season. PFF second highest grade receiving running back on the year behind only Christian McCaffrey. He's a more efficient yards per carry, yards after contact than Brian Robinson. I honestly don't know why Brian Robinson is still a starting running back here other than he seemed to win the job back in August. And obviously, obviously, it's a fantastic story coming back from the gunshot wounds. But just based on what I've seen from the guys, it certainly seems like Antonio Gibson is the better talent. That said, I don't even know if Antonio Gibson is still going to be on this team in three days. So do you have any lean on this backfield, Dwayne, or do we just kind of need to wait and see what it looks like next week? No, it's 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 just going to be uh, – if, if, if it continues to be all three guys, it's just going to be a roller coaster. You know, you're going to have weeks where – I mean, Brian Robinson, like coming into this game – you know, we had several, you know, weeks where it, it was starting to look like, you know, you can pretty much trust him for 12 to 15 rushing attempts. And then today he ends up with only eight. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and that was due to Gibson getting more work. We had seen Brian Robinson kind of edge upward, you know, in his rushing attempts, you know, as far as like his, his share of the, of the touches, but today it was almost even 36% to Robinson, 32% to Antonio Gibson. So I don't know if there's just some hot hand stuff going on there. Not no clue. I just wanted to say hot hand. Um, 24% target share today to Antonio Gibson. Like, God, it's like, I, I don't know, man. It's like Gibson, like, why did Washington even need to bring J.D. McKissick back? Like, I, nothing against J.D. McKissick. I'm glad he's earning a living. You know, or why couldn't he just go, you know, somewhere else? Um, like, it would be fine with just Gibson and Robinson. Like, Gibson can do all the things that, that McKissick does. And he can do some things that McKissick can't. So, like, I would just like to see Antonio Gibson with a bigger role. Like, a trade for him would not be bad. Like, depending on where he landed, like, even if he, if, like, if he, I know we talk about Kareem Hunt, the Buffalo, and some of these other guys. Like, if Antonio Gibson went to Buffalo, like, I think he would immediately oust Devin Singletary for the job. You know, I'm sure it would still be a little bit of a rotation, but, like, he's just a really good player in the passing game. And, like, they're probably at a minimum, like, equals on the ground, but Gibson may be a little better, you know, than what Singletary is, especially as far as, like, explosive long runs. So we'll see. It wouldn't be a bad thing for one of these guys to get moved. Um, you mentioned Terry McLaurin. Yeah, he's looked better. The Taylor Heineke thing has been good for him. He had a 28% target share today. He led the team. Antonio Gibson was second with 24%. Now we could get Jahan Dotson back. Like he's just kind of, he, you know, he was kind of getting close to getting back two weeks ago, re-aggravated his injury. So we'll have to see. It's not an offense where once we get another mouth to feed, because like Cam Sims is the other guy right now, Ian, beside, Curtis Samuel's still getting his stuff, right? Mm-hmm. He had 10% target share today, but he also had four rushing attempts for 29 yards, gave you 11 fantasy points. But Cam Sims is basically not getting anything. We also had Logan Thomas come back today. He didn't have a target, but he was out there for 49% of the routes. So he'll probably slowly kind of work his way back into being the lead tight end. As they get healthier, and an offense that's kind of been up and down, that's the thing that scares me. I think that McLaurin is still clearly the best player on the team. Um, we'll just have to see if he can keep his target shares up whenever they, they're fully healthy because they do have some other talented players, right? These aren't just guys, you know, that you're throwing out there. Dotson's a first-round pick. You know, Curtis Samuel's obviously doing his thing. Logan Thomas is a guy. He's not great, but we've seen him earn 15 20% of the targets in the past. He needs to, before we go back to Logan Thomas, so he needs to get back that 90% plus snap rate with Amani Rogers and John Bates there. They just haven't been willing to do it, most likely because he's been playing banged up. Just need to wait to see that to change. Mentioned before, but yeah, Terry McLaurin won the game, 42-yard catch over Stephon Gilmore, left them down at the one-inch line, so almost got a touchdown on top of that box score. 
Moving on to the Colts side of things, Jonathan Taylor did suffer an ankle injury at one point. He got it retaped, though, and it came back out there. Unfortunately, another underwhelming day at the office. 16 carries, 76 scoreless yards. Naeem Hines ended up catching two passes for 29 yards and had the actual lone rushing touchdown of the group as well. So, hey, it was still Jonathan Taylor's 70% of the snaps. Very well could have been 80% if he didn't get hurt, and they were more confident in that. Unfortunately, Dwayne, it's a situation where – this offensive line has been terrible, and they haven't really gotten any of the, you know, just blame out there. That all goes to Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz, depending on who you want to talk to. And Taylor can't do everything, man. We've seen plenty of great running backs just become victims of their offensive environment, and that's what's happening to Jonathan Taylor right now. This is a bottom five offensive line in PFF run blocking grade and yards before contact per carry. They were top 10, top five in the previous years. And I understand Taylor isn't a product of his offensive line or anything, but when you wonder why he's not averaging five and a half yards per carry, like that seems to go hand in hand. He's not scoring the same amount of touchdowns because as many mistakes as Carson Wentz would make last year, that was still, I believe, the seventh ranked scoring offense in the league. So they were still doing a lot of things that put them in positions to score points. And this year we just haven't seen the same thing. I did not get a chance to watch this game. My process is, I have three TVs on and then red zone, you know, with the sound on. So I can kind of track three games at once. And then by Monday afternoon, I catch up on the rest of them. So I want to reserve my opinion on Sam Ellinger because I didn't get to watch too much of him. I will say for someone that really we just looking at his collegiate statistics at Texas and what he did in the preseason, underwhelmed by his, you know, just rushing stats here, only six carries for 15 yards. But to be fair, Malik Willis didn't have, you know, a good day at the office. And I'm not doubting his ability to run well. Ellinger did have a chance to get them back in the game at the end. He hit Michael Pittman for a potential chuck gain on a deep crosser, man. And Pittman just let the thing bounce right off his hands. So I would just say out of this, the Jonathan Taylor stuff, don't blame him. It's a big team effort, and he's been hurt throughout the whole year. And at least, Dwayne, in our first data point now with Sam Ellinger under center, Michael Pittman was the clear leader with nine targets. Nobody else had more than five. Pittman is the only guy in this passing game we're feeling confident starting right now because clearly this version of the offense wants to run. Unfortunately, Pittman going to be far closer to that wide receiver too. Dare I say, even dipping into wide receiver three territory here, though, than we would have preferred. Yeah, and Frank Reich told us this week, he goes, no, we don't want to be a run-heavy team. We want to be a, a balanced team. Frank, you drop back to throw 53% of the time. That's run-heavy in today's NFL. Like, I know to you, you think 50-50 means balance, but no, that's run-heavy in today's NFL. So it does appear that, that that's the way that the Colts want to lean back. They want to try to win on efficiency. They don't want to do what they were doing with Matt Ryan, which was trying to throw the ball all the time. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting in a game where, you know, they trailed, uh, by a decent amount at times that they continued to kind of stick to their guns on it. So that ultimately in the long term could play out to be a really good thing for Jonathan Taylor, because we saw them do that last year. And we talked about Jonathan Taylor this preseason. And what did we talk about with the Colts? I talked about, they had the fourth most plays leading last year out of any other team. And that can be a very fickle stat. It doesn't mean all of a sudden they become a team that trails all the time. I didn't expect it to be this bad, right? but it could just be a lot more plays that are close, right? And a close game strip. And that can change things. It's just more competitive. You know, the other team is within striking distance. You know, they're going to score still like that can change your mentality to how much you want to run the ball. So it does appear they're going to go old school, go back to the way that they had it last year, even though Frank Reich's trying to call it something different. So I think that will be good for Taylor. We'll have to keep an eye on what's going on with the injury. Hopefully it was just a small tweak to the ankle and, and not one of these things that's a bigger deal and adrenaline just got him through the game um, because that is something that can happen with these guys. I, I don't really want to be involved much with this passing game at all until we see until we see more from Ellinger. I, I even think Michael Pittman, like I he's a wide receiver three. 
Yeah. Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, their wide receiver fours. Cam- Campbell, like, you know, had really had a nice two games. You know, he had had 21 targets over the two games before this one. He was still out there plenty. He still was out there more than Alec Pierce, 77% route participation, but only 9% of the targets today. Um, did, did have a couple of nice plays. He had a nice carry for 28 yards. He also had a nice run after the catch reception. He's so, uh, so explosive still, in the open field. Like, I he think is. He's a carry. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. One of the carry was for 28 yards. Yeah. Yeah. So um, like still showing some flashes for him, but like Ellinger, like just changes the way that this, the complexion of this offense. And in the end, I think it will be best for Jonathan Taylor more so than everyone else, because now you can't support three of these receivers, you know, and um, it's going to hurt Michael Pittman too. It's really going to hurt him as well. Even though he came through and, you know, he had 41% of the targets today. He's not going to get that every other week. He's not going to get that every week with Campbell and Pierce playing as good as they are. Final and just a little fun note. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted this out. For every game that Taylor Heineke plays at least 60% of the snaps and the commanders win, he earns 125000 incentive. He then puts that bonus, at least a portion of it, I would hope just a portion, to a new pair of Jordans of the team that Washington beat. So he was already rocking his new blue and white Jordans in the postgame presser. I've had a rough relationship with Taylor Heineke, Dwayne, because him and Kyle Allen have now exactly. Like I'm starting to come around to Taylor Heineke. There's one way to get to my heart is my Jordans. I got, if you look behind me, a shit ton of shoes. Yeah, there we go. I got like 30 pair of Jordans myself. So Taylor Heineke is going to do it, man. How the hell can I fault a guy like that? All right, NFC South matchup here. 49ers took down the Rams 31 to 14. 49ers are one point dogs. Obviously, they won that over cash at 42. So Christian McCaffrey, one passing, one receiving, one rushing touchdown over the last 50 years. The only four guys to do that, McCaffrey now, 2005 with Danny and Tomlinson, 1979 Walter Payton, of course, 2001 David Patton as well from Next Gen Stats. CMC touchdown pass, the first 49ers touchdown pass with 20-plus air yards this season, and the streak now, Dwayne, 29 straight, not injured, not traded in the middle of the week games with a touchdown and or 100 yards. CMC cannot be stopped. And yeah, things went great. Now, this did come with Debo Samuel out with a hamstring injury, but it's Christian McCaffrey. Who cares? He's going to be a top five running back the rest of the year. It's fantastic. Let's focus on something that matters a little bit more because what are we making of these wide receivers? Brandon Ayuk did go ahead and catch that touchdown from McCaffrey. You had a great call with George Kittle, got the touchdown late about just, again, generally tight ends having a lot better time against these zone heavy defenses with McCaffrey being this workhorse, clearly they're not going to ignore his pass-catching talents, and why would they? You saw that freaking touchdown catch he had. The dude was skying up there like, you know, Space Jam Jordan. I just think that when we add Debo back into this group, it's going to be like a more extreme version of Philly where we just always see one of these guys dud. It could be two of the guys dud. Do you think Debo could be the one that all of a sudden, coming off the hamstring injury, we're just ranking as more of a wide receiver, too. I know how good he is, Dwayne, but damn it, these other guys are really good, too. And unfortunately, in Biden's America, we can only have one football on the field at a time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to downgrade Debo yet. Um, you know, he's the he's the is he the best player or the second best player, I guess, now, like on the team still. Um, and, he, you know, he had been dominating, you know, his target shares had been, you know, close to 30 percent. He'd been between 27 and 30 percent, like even though he was having to battle with Kittle, having to battle with Ayuk. So yeah. I still I, I'm still going to have him, you know, ahead, obviously, of those guys, which I know that's not what you're saying. But it's just more like, is he that wide receiver one? Is he that wide receiver two? He's kind of been on the borderline for me all year. Like, do I rank him in the wide receiver one group this week? Do I rank him in the wide receiver two group this week? Anytime he plays against a man heavy team, like I go, I 
I, I move Debo down because he just doesn't get targeted against man coverage for whatever reason for the last three years. Like it's a long trend. It's not like just something this year. Um, they go to they go to Kittle and Debo all the time, you know, against zone. That really could hurt though because McCaffrey gets a ton of targets against zone. Like, I mean, so if you look at the the Rams, they play the most zone in the NFL. Like eighty five percent of their snaps are in a zone coverage, and McCaffrey just like completely obliterated them. You know, today with that thirty five thirty five percent target share, dude. <laughs> <laughs> to McCaffrey Jesus. so it's like it's people saying oh man the 49ers they don't target running backs like okay well well if their name's Christian McCaffrey you freaking do you know oh Cam Newton doesn't throw to running backs if their name is Christian McCaffrey they do like the answer is just if their name is Christian McCaffrey yes they do doesn't matter what yeah. situation like I don't care if you're playing on the damn moon like they're gonna throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey um uh, yeah so Debo I, I think this does hurt Ian um you need we need the 49ers to throw the ball more we need the 49ers to be in games where they're getting pushed to, to the what i will say is they drop i know this doesn't sound good but they drop back to pass 55 percent of the time today but they led a lot yeah what we've seen in games you know this year we've seen the 49ers in a game script like this just run the heck out of the ball you know we'll see their their drop back rate at a 45 percent um, so to be at 55%, the league average is actually 50% when you're leading by four or more points. So they're actually above the NFL average in this game and their drop back rate. So I want to see them in more close games, get them in a few more trailing scripts. Um, you know, I think overall, this is a slight positive, but to your point, it's still a lot to spread around, you know, across all four guys. I will say McCaffrey, like, man, complete bell cow roll, um, you know, 70, 79% of the rushing attempts, 81% of the snaps, had all the two-minute stuff, everything we would expect, and I already mentioned the 35% target share. But the route participation was great, 72%. That's elite. So any concerns people had about McCaffrey, which why would you? If you did, like you, yeah, don't worry about it. And honestly, concerns about any of these guys, I don't want to overstate this. It's similar to what we said about Philly. Like, this is a really good offense with really good yeah. players everywhere. So guess what? If there is going to be someone that can make the most out of a little bit less opportunity, Jim- probably someone like Kittle or Debo. Yeah, Jimmy G needs to do the Tua. Come on, man. Let, let's go, Jimmy G. Let's he's see doing, the he's, two he's, thing. Come on. He's kind of doing it. To do it. You've got the yeah. weapons to do it. Like this offense could be Miami. Mike McDaniel's like cool Gen Z Shanahan who's willing to throw the ball. Shanny's still like, nah, I got to cuck. Like I said, it was a positive today. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but given how much they led in this game to be at a 55% drop back rate, it's, it's, it's a big step. For Mike, for uh, for Mike, not for Mike Shanahan. For Kyle. I was just about to say, I feel like Kyle probably talks to Mike after every game, and if he starts airing the ball a little too much, Mike's Stan like, "Gotta, him, get, yeah. gotta get back to that run game." Kyle, Mike McDaniel, he's probably smoking a joint with someone. Put, puts him on a conference call with Terrell Davis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now in Olandis, Gary, and Mike Anderson. Listen to these guys, son. <laughs> Did I ban the run game in the '97 Super Bowl, Kyle? What, what do you What do you know about that? All right, you know, hey, well, at least they can get they could get Daddy on the phone, Ed McCaffrey, with you know, there with we go. Christian. There we go. On the Rams side of things, so quickly, Cooper Cup he got rolled up on at the end of the game. They threw him a fucking screen pass down 17 with one minute left in the game. Like, come on, guys, just. What the hell is the point of that? The dude is at 79 yards. Like, even if you're trying to get him over 100, it's week eight. Come on at that. So he walked off. It didn't look great. But he said in the postgame, he dodged a bullet. And our guy, Fantasy Points Finest, Dr. Evan Porras, said both ankles actually got twisted up on in a classic lateral low ankle sprain. So might be a little banged up, but it does sound like Cup did avoid, you know, that high ankle sprain, which, of course, we cannot be dealing with. Had his usual eight catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. 
Nothing else went right for this offense because nothing has gone right for this offense really all season long. Matthew Stafford has thrown for multiple touchdowns in exactly one game this year, just 251 passing yards per game. So Allen Robinson made a nice sideline catch or two, but still just 54 scoreless yards. Tyler Higby was in and out. He suffered an arm and neck injury. When he did get a wide open crosser that looked like he was going to have all sorts of room to run downfield. Unfortunately, he dropped it. So, yeah, both those guys, including Higby, I'm just not in on Higby really continuing this, Dwayne. The two worst parts of Sean McVay's stretch with the Rams have been have coincided with Tyler Higby having his most production. Sean McVay doesn't go to bed at night dreaming of ways to scheme up Tyler Higby. It's like Matthew Stafford panics and decides to throw him the ball a bunch of times. So, Volume's volume. Look, I still had to rank the guy like tight end seven or eight this week because I get how it is out there. So I'm not telling you guys to go ahead and cut Tyler Higby, but I would definitely try to sell him if someone thinks you're legit looking at a top five, top six tight end. Tyler Higby this year is basically like I, I view him as Dalton Schultz. He's someone that when the volume is there, okay, he can exist and catch the ball and you know get whatever volume is there, but he's not gonna be someone that's gonna make more out of it like a Dallas Goddard. So if someone confuses that go ahead and, uh, you know, take advantage. The big story, though, is going to be this backfield. Daryl Henderson technically led the way with 41% snaps, four carries and two targets, but it was Ronnie River, actually, Ronnie Rivers, excuse me, with the actual eight carries. Malcolm Brown had five carries in his own right. So they're going to trade for a running back. This is not the Ronnie Rivers show as much as maybe, I don't, are there stands out there for Ronnie Rivers, Dwayne? I'm not really sure, but I just, it seems inevitable, inevitable to me in the next two days they add someone. Or if not, we're hearing that Cam Akers is coming back. And regardless, you look at these running backs and the expected points are just under 10 for all of them. This has been a terrible offense that's not throwing the football consistently to them. I know Ronnie finally did have some catches today, but you're down 17. Your running backs probably should catch the ball. It's an offense that it's sad to say it's Cooper Cup and arguably no one else except for kind of Higby. Yeah. Um, the running backs, it was a complete rotation. Um, Ronnie Rivers did get the start. Um, 40% of the rushing attempts. You had Daryl Henderson slightly above him in the snap total, 41% versus 36%. And then Malcolm Brown was out there, 22%. So just a complete mess. The offensive line is terrible. Um, they trail all the time, so they don't have a lot of volume in the run. There's not a lot to like. you got a three-way committee and a really bad offense with a bad offensive line. Like this is the worst. Like I don't even want a running back to go here. Like I don't want Kareem Hunt to go here. I don't yeah. want. I don't want anyone to go to the Rams. Like they suck. Their offensive line is absolutely dreadful. Would one of those guys take over and maybe end up being okay? I mean, maybe, but I mean, it's really bad. Like when you watch the line. When I was watching that, when that game was on today, like I was just watching the offensive line and I was just watching it just cave in. Like as soon as the snap would happen, like this, this offensive line has got some major, major issues. Um, I will say Tyler Higby, something interesting. Now he was dinged up during this game. I know he went to the blue tent at one point, still had 69% of the snaps, but the week before they had their buy, they had this weird thing Ian, where he had the snaps, but his route participation was really low. And we saw it again this weekend, only 37% route participation. What did we just say was really bad? The offensive line. Yeah. If you're out there 69% of the snaps and you only run a route 37% of the time, you know what you're doing? I don't have it right in front of me. Your ass is blocking. They're keeping Tyler Higby in to block. Um, so that is going to kill his – that's twice now. That's two weeks in a row that we've seen this data point. Tyler Higby's getting a big fat downgrade in the utilization report. Like targets per route run, 
Tyler Higby's still doing what he's doing earlier in the season. He had a thirty-six percent of the time he ran a route, he got a target. He is not running enough routes, and he can't because when he does, Matt Stafford gets killed. So it's a bad, bad situation. That could potentially be a good thing, even though it's still a bad offense. That could be a good thing for Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson has had his two best games now, coinciding with this role change for Tyler Higby having to keep his ass in the block. Right. So I. Robinson gets a slight upgrade. Tyler Higby gets a downgrade. We'll have to keep an eye to your point on Cooper Cup. We did see Van Jefferson back this week. Um, he was out there for 61% of the routes. He did overtake Bennett Skoronic. We use the full name here, Bennett, um, you know, who was at 50%. So they also utilize that's the so the snap rate for Higby was down at 69%. So not only is he staying in the block, they're using four wide receivers some. And so there's a lot of bad stuff going on right now for Tyler Higby. Oh. Now the four wide receiver stuff could Dwayne, be Dwayne. tied to injury. I yeah. think they're using Skoranek because he they kind of use him almost like an H-back sometimes. Like yeah, that. they move him around. So I think he's actually probably the problem for Higby's route rate. That makes sense, actually. It could be. It could be. Yeah, they they do. You're right. They do move him around. They put him in motion a lot. He looks more like a wingback, you know. Um, yeah. So uh, this is bad stuff for Tyler Higby. Um, you know, and it's not on him. It's not necessarily his performance. It's, it's the, the Rams are having to try to do anything they can to make up for these offensive line woes. Alan Robinson playing a little better, but going into this week, he literally was tied with Ben Skoranek himself in targets. So like Higby had a good 20 more than the guy. It's just too bad of an offense right now for Robinson not to be getting peppered with targets to actively trust him. In a sad, sad world, Dwayne, let's say Cooper cup needs one week to get right. You know, they're just being cautious. Like, where would you rank Allen Robinson as the no doubt number you still, one? You still put him in a, a high end wide receiver three. That's fair. <laughs> you know, fair. wouldn't be a low end. But this is a slight upgrade for him. It's two weeks in a row. I, I don't have the last. I don't have the last game right in front of me. I don't want to type on the computer, and make a bunch of noise on the on the podcast. But like, I want to say he was right at twenty four percent last game. Okay. Um, somebody can check me on that. But twenty five percent this game. Um, so his two best games for sure, as far as the target share goes. Um, so. I, I think he's just more trustworthy wide receiver three. If he surprises you with anything more than that, like, fine, that's great. But don't bench another wide receiver two for him. God, no. This is one of those things we talked about it in the Cowboys offense early in the season with the running backs and the Patriots. Like, one of the assumptions in L.A. was this was going to be a top 10, 12 scoring offense when it's not this usage that would have been fine in the top 10 scoring offense all of a sudden isn't when it's most. Yeah, it's a bottom five one couple sheeshes just real quick. A-Rob did actually draw a defensive pass interference in the end zone when it looked like he might have had a chance to catch it. Otherwise, they did a cool cool guy move, Dwayne. We always ask him to do this. They went back and they threw him a fade on the next play. That didn't work as well. So, sucks to suck for A-Rob. Malcolm Brown got stuffed at the one-yard line. Awesome hit by Fred Warner. Matthew Stafford ran in on the next play. And I mentioned that Tyler Higby dropped from before. Was was. I, I could never figure out it happened so fast. Was Stafford throwing the ball away on that one player? Was he actually trying to target Robinson when it was like I don't know if you saw it yeah the sidearm where it was basically like you know a ball almost in the dirt like a low throw like that was a crazy throw if that was if that was intentional he has one or two of those sidearms every single week he had a there was this two-week stretch where he hit Higby in the face with a sidearm and it was incomplete and the next week Higby was wide open he like skipped like he was skipping a rock you know across the pond but instead of the pond it was a football field so it was an incomplete pass and obviously that didn't work out so the Matthew Stafford experience always a uh, always a joy getting some of the sidearms Seahawks took down the Giants in a battle of inexplicably two of the NFC's best 27 to 13 Seattle covered as three-point favorites the under cast at 44 and a half Kenneth Walker doing his thing actually went out there and had a pretty robust 76 percent snap rate 
another game where Seattle was able to play with the lead for most of the time. We did have Travis Homer back in this one for the first time in quite a bit. Didn't do really anything to take away Kenneth Walker's usage, more so just relegated DJ Dallas to a true only a couple snaps, number three back. So Kenneth Walker, again, Dwayne and I can maybe debate on like Ramondre Stevenson versus Kenneth Walker. Guess what? You're starting both of them. If by yeah, some miracle you have them too and Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, like, okay, it's a good conversation to have, but maybe don't have it that loud because everyone's going to think you're just spoiled and no, no one likes hearing someone bragging about that good of a fantasy team. So good problem to have. With these wide receivers, I mean, Tyler Lockett, one of the worst five-catch, 63-yard touchdown games you will ever see. He had a 33-yard touchdown hit off his helmet and fall incomplete, and then he had another potential 21-yard touchdown. Beautiful throw by Geno Smith, only was able to get one foot down. Marquise Goodwin dropped an 18-yard touchdown. I mean, Geno Smith had 212 yards and two scores. Could have honestly had four or five touchdowns in this one. So it was great to see DK Metcalf get back out there. You know, that knee injury. I thought it was going to knock him out for a month. And hand up, hand up. I gave Pete Carroll a lot of shit. I would argue he he's deserved it based on his past. But this time, he was, he was an optimist, and that optimism rung true. And because of that, DK Metcalf went out there and did DK Metcalf things. So Pete Carroll... It makes me wonder, Ian, did, did DK Metcalf last week just really need to take a crap again? He didn't want to He didn't want to own up to it? <laughs> he's like, I, I mean, can't, I can't put this out there Teller tendon and you come back and play like this? Like, I don't even see how that's possible. DK was just too embarrassed to say it twice, so he had to do this whole <laughs> fake knee injury thing. That's a hell of a... need a porta potty on the sideline for DK. That's like, a hell of a know? conspiracy theory, yeah. dude. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, could have been a much bigger day from Gino, and he's just... He continues to carry him, man, and he's doing it in style. That's the thing. This is not... We talk a little about Bailey Zappi's, like, numbers being a little bit empty just because... Not that there's anything wrong with taking the layups. Go ahead. You know, you don't get broke taking a profit. Not that there's anything all. wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. This year, though, Big time throws, only Josh Allen and yes, even Tom Brady have more big time throws than Geno. Only Josh has the higher percentage. PFF's third highest graded passer on the season. They asked Tyler Lockett, like, what's the key to success, Dwayne? And Tyler Lockett said, it's amazing what we can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. Just twisting that final title lock. It's out on Russ. If title lock, it doesn't like someone, man, that's how, you know, it's real. So Tyler Lockett had kind of made some comments like that a year before, but anyway, yeah, it's uh it's Geno Smith's world. Uh, we're just happy to be living in it. And this Seahawks offense is inexplicably awesome. I don't even have a question, man. It's just, it's so Tyler, Tyler Lockett could have scored like 30 today. Is that what you're telling us? Yes. Like could have gone off. He's probably going to be my uh, sheesh player of the week. Him or Mike Evans. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else for me to add either. Like Kenneth Walker, like was fine. 77% of the snaps, you know, 87% of the rushing attempts, the giants did a nice job of bottling him up. You know, you can't just go completely berserk every single, single freaking week. Like it happens. Like players have bad games. Um, 20% of the long down and distance stuff still went to him. They didn't use the two minute offense today. So that wasn't a factor. Um, the thing I liked about the Seahawks today, you know, they got into a situation where they were leading, you know, in the second half of the game. Um, and they still, their drop back rate was 64%. Um, so, and we continue to see this, like, you know, they're, they've been right around the league average, but we've seen a couple of games where they're slightly above. So they are leaning into the passing game. That's really good for Tyler Lockett. That's good for DK Metcalf. We've talked about this in the past. They're also, I don't have their, um, play clock data for tonight in front of me, but like they've been in the top three of the NFL, right. For average time remaining on the clock that they're snapping the ball with neutral and neutral scripts. So like they're leaving plenty of, it's not like the old Tony Romo uh, offense in Dallas. Like oh every time God. it's like the double zeros before he snaps it. Um, they're running 
plays, which is so good, man. It's so good to see, like for a team that ran two and a half games less of plays last year than the Buffalo Bills, like to see them actually out here running plays. Because that means that these 25 and 30% target share numbers, when we get those for Metcalf or Lockett, instead of that being like, man, he had a 35% target share, he had four targets. <laughs> you know, It's actually a 10 and so when you get something like that for these players, like it's just been huge for Lockett. It's been huge for Metcalf. I mean, it's made them it move both of like Lockett moved from like a low end wide receiver three to a high end wide receiver two in, the, in like three weeks. <laughs> Metcalf is a low end wide receiver one. You could argue he's a mid range wide receiver one as when he's healthy, right? Yeah. In this offense now. He could have even had a bigger day. He was open from about 42 yards out. Perfect pass could have been a touchdown, at least inside the five. Rare misfire from Gino, but. Yeah, you mentioned the Romo offense and they take the play clock down to one. Same thing with Peyton audibling all the time back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I remember when Madden first came out with their superstar mode. I was a running back. I get drafted on the Colts. I'm like, oh, this will be sick. I'm one of the best offenses in the league. Worst like three hours of my life trying to like sit there running back and Peyton's audibling to play every <laughs> Omaha, single Omaha. time. Just time and time again, like he switches to it. Like I'm blocking. Oh, okay, I look away. No, he switched it back to a run. Miss nine-year-old Ian with that okay on the other side of the <laughs> ball awesome. richie james suffered a concussion daniel jones banged up his throwing hand could have led to a little bit of his inefficiency through the air another week of darius slate not producing wandale robinson but i understand the allure of what robinson could be ultimately it's a passing game that i think has six or seven passing touchdowns this season we're going to see duds like this end the day saquon barkley on pace for 2057 total yards and 11 touchdowns king stay kings anything else you want to add for the new york giants Dwayne? no wandell's fine like it, yeah. the route participation is the main thing we want to make sure is still there and it was 85 percent that that was second on the team you know your favorite marcus johnson you know was out there running his way yeah he actually had a 17 percent target share today didn't turn into much he had 1.3 fantasy points but Darius Slayton came through with led the team with the 20% target share, but Wandell's going to be fine. Like it just didn't work out this week. Um, I still would anticipate him leading this team in targets the rest of the way, assuming the Giants don't do something as far as the trade goes. Bills took down the Packers Sunday night football. Dwayne and I caught about the first half of this one, 27 to 17. I believe the line ended at 10 and a half. So Packers actually found a way to get a little cover out of that. Good for them over on the Bills side of things. Devin Singletary, 44 snaps. James Cook, just 15. Another week of Zach Moss being out of the picture. So you said before, Dwayne, just like having outs in one of the things with Miles Sanders was the fact that when games can blow out, okay, Boston Scott can come in at the end. Not having Zach Moss there for Devin Singletary helps. I know they're willing to just give James Cook the ball as well when they get up by 20, 30 points, but we'll take a two-back committee, and accordingly, we yeah. did see Singletary get 14 carries and a target, make good use out of them as always. He did have a situation where he was just short of the goal line. Next play, short touchdown to Dawson Knox. So that'll happen, but it's more and more evidence, man, especially coming out of a bye where we have seen rookie running backs get that bump. We'll see what happens with the trade deadline. I don't know why the Bills would spend a second-round pick on a running back and then trade for another one, but maybe it's legal technically. Devin Singletary still very much uh, – I, honestly, I, I kind of put him like right next to Raheem Mostert in the mid-tier of my RB2s, and I feel good about it. Yeah, I had him low end today just because the, the data that we've seen recently where when the Bills are ahead, right, we know that we don't get as much Singletary. And we did see that. We saw a little bit more work for James Cook tonight. Five carries, 35 yards for James Cook tonight. So he had a nice little game, uh, and relatively speaking. He also had a reception for 41 yards. So anytime we can get a little James Cook love, you know, we'll take it. You know, he's a guy that we like a lot in the preseason. I know it hasn't worked out so far, but if you're in the league, I'm keeping it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, if you've learned anything, 
this year, like things can change really quick. You know, in the end, it could be injury. It could just be rug getting pulled out from under you and they make a change. And we've seen it happen both ways. So, yeah, he's a, he's a player that still plays on a good offense. So if you're in a deep league, obviously you're you're fine with that. Um, Stefan Dix did Stefan Dix things, you know, and, you know, told Jair, told Jair Alexander about it like the whole time that it happened. So you love to see that. And Jair didn't even – I thought Jair was going to shadow him because uh, he no, shadowed he for the – yeah, he shadowed Terry for the first time in like two years last week. So I figured it was going to, you know, get going. They have that stare down. Not so much. So it was Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs, both running 26 routes. McKenzie and Shakir continued to split. So for now, Diggs, obviously, one ranking wide receiver, one, go for it. Gabriel Davis, he busted here. Keep him in that lineup because you know a boom is never too far behind. On the Green Bay side of things, if anyone in the comments still has any further word on if A.J. Dillon came back from that he injury. He did. He came back. I awesome. Came back in the game. Yeah. Good news. Okay, because, yeah, when Dwayne and I were starting, he mentioned that and it did not look good to start. So, at the end of the day, Aaron Jones, 44 snaps, 20 routes run. A.J. Dillon, 28 snaps and 14 routes run. Another game of Aaron Jones just slashing his way to an awfully efficient rushing effort. Unfortunately, it's Packers offense not scoring as much as we would have hoped, not giving the same opportunities. But, Dwayne, it's back-to-back weeks of Jones not being a 50-50 back, being a pretty damn clear lead back enough for you to get him back in that top 12 like maybe if not just because like there kind of are i think a lot of good lead running backs in the league right now getting these opportunities but either way i'm feeling much better about jones's rest of the season outlook even if we don't have that top three top four ceiling we were hoping for yeah yeah i mean he's a low-end rb1 that's that's where i had him this last week i might have had him just outside of it Um, you know i do i tier it you know so it is my cut isn't always like at 12 right one week i may actually have 14 guys guys that grade out as RB1s, right? One week I may have 10, you know, so it just really depends on like how everything works out. But he was right there, you know, this week. And I expected this this week because we really had the trailing game script. You know, he's the better guy, you know, as far as integrating into the passing game beyond like just, you know, swing pass kind of stuff. So, and that that wasn't always playing out earlier in the season, but whoever these last couple of games, it has seemed to matter. Um, I, I went back because I was actually surprised when I went back and looked at the splits because we can run the stuff all kinds of ways with the PFF tools in the in the background. Ian, you know that. And so like I ran it like all sorts of way on this Packers offense. And like one of the things that kind of surprised me is even when I went and looked at like, OK, trailing by seven plus points. Like if you looked at it for the whole season, it was still pretty close between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. But then over the last couple of games. It's and I'll have to look at what happened tonight. It does seem like they're kind of leaning more to Jones in these trailing scripts, which seems to be like this might be more the norm for the Packers offense moving forward because they just don't have enough weapons to keep things going. Romeo Dobbs, 62 yards in a BEA, beautiful 26-yard touchdown, turned his body around like three times. Not sure he needed to, but whatever, came <laughs> down with the ball at the end of the day after getting called out, you know, by a Aaron in the media. Samari Torre also with a touchdown. Hey, I, again, I was uh, talking on this on this Bengals podcast this morning, had to give a pick uh, for this game, and I was like, can't give you anything about why the Packers should cover this, you know, based on what I've seen and what the numbers say, but sometimes the NFL is weird and it's a lot closer than we expect, and that's basically what ended up happening here. So, obviously, the Packers now just three and five entering. I believe they're they're on a bye next week, right, Dwayne? 
Uh, no, Packers are not. You got Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Giants, Steelers, and 49ers on by. Six-team bye week. Wow, we're going to spend time with the family this week. We are. Time. Look we at are. that. Okay, so not on a bye. I will say, I felt like they had something they can build on here. Getting Dobbs and the Torre touchdowns, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to be optimistic for the Packers. I maintain that Rodgers and Jones, you know, and LaFleur. They just got to go trade, man. Like, yeah. go trade for a receiver. Like, uh, I why waste a year of Aaron Rodgers? Like, especially when you know you've got these disgruntled guys around the league that want to be moved, like an Elijah Moore. So I just got to go make a deal, even if it means giving up a first-round pick. I mean, what are you waiting on? Like, you know the guy's a good player. And with that, it's going to wrap up another lovely edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Appreciate you guys sticking with us this whole time, especially the, loud crowd, the live crowd. That's been a nice new wrinkle this year. And, you know, I appreciate all you other than the Russian porn bots that always find a way to come say hello as well. But again, hey, if you're a Russian porn bot and you want help on your fantasy football team, we are the podcast to come hang out with. Dwayne, let people what you got going. Let people know what you got going on over at MB Fantasy Life. But truly, man, look, people, they got a lot of bills. They got a lot of things. They, you know, girlfriends boyfriends they gotta save up money man so don't don't go touting these people a bunch of expensive shit that they can't afford man all right be reasonable I'll, here. I'll, I'll try not to since everything's free over at fantasy oh, it's all free yeah yeah wow. it's all free wow um you know we've got all sorts of tools we've got stuff there for your waiver wire that will come out on monday and we update it on tuesday we actually rank all the waivers we've got a lot of cool stuff going on uh obviously the utilization report then i've got my rankings and tiers which typically comes out either wednesday night or first thing thursday morning i'm updating those throughout the week um and then the newsletter you guys got to go get it like it's free you can go over to my um twitter handle at Dwayne d-w-a-i-n mcfarland m-c-f-a-r-l-a-n-d you don't have to follow me if you don't want to but at least click subscribe on the newsletter you'll see it you know in my profile and you guys can get five minutes worth of reading and it just keeps you up to date every day you get it first thing in the morning and you're good to go for the rest of the week sounds like a great day to be great to me, you guys already know what I'm bringing out to the table. Dwayne, did the McFarland family get a uh, Halloween family costume outfit going? Oh, yeah. They've already got it all picked out. Zoe's been trying to add more stuff to it, and Amanda put the foot down today. She's <laughs> like, we spent enough on the costume. We're not doing anything else. So I'm going to work really hard to try to be done tomorrow night before trick-or-treating occurs so I can go, like, so I can go witness it fantastic stuff well have a great time with that my friend and send uh send zoe you know just be like good job by me probably well, don't yeah, say that it'd be kind of yeah, weird well, yeah well <laughs> yeah that weird guy you've seen one time zoe that i introduced you to <laughs> to tell you hi <laughs> i think it was like her birthday Dwayne's like say happy birthday zoe i'm like hey, happy birthday that's yeah. it just most it was awesome yeah, I'm a pretty awkward guy if I'm not talking about fantasy football for like two and a half hours. But luckily, Dwayne, that does happen to be my usual way of living. So with all that said, for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And until next time, take care.